You're listening to The Dude Grow Show, coming straight out of Denver, Colorado, bringing you marijuana grow knowledge, news, and culture. At the tone, the time will be 4.20. Exactly. Everybody, episode 54, 54 Dude Grow Show coming at you straight out of Colorado, Denver, Mile High. You hanging yeah, out, man. Scotty? I think you've exceeded my Spanish, man. I don't even know if I know how to say 54 in Spanish, man. Cinco cuatro. <laughs> Did I, I get it? Did. I think you said five, four. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I'm, get, I'm getting a little pumped up today, guys. We're, we're coming at you here. Uh, if you don't know, the uh, only grow show grow your own marijuana cannabis if you will bringing you a lot of great knowledge i don't know what do we got uh, not to brag but let the people know between the two of us i don't know what do you got for we got 40 Holy years experience shit. that's too much isn't it we're Man, not that I, old uh, bought my first light setup before you could buy them i'd buy it used from some guy that stole it from a car dealership man I was about to say, yeah, didn't you go get it? Yeah, right out of... You're like, I got this bulb that has only five years on it, and I'm going to start growing weed <laughs> right. under it. <laughs> right. That's Actually, so I have crazy. No, I have no official That's why knowledge we're... that he stole that from a car dealership, because that, that, that would make me an accessory, no. wouldn't it, now? Uh, the time has passed, whatever hey, they call man, that. Hey, man, what's the statute you know, of limitations right... on stealing a light, brah? You can write a book about it now and not Ooh, get in I like trouble. That, man. All right, let's. I'll break down the format real quick for y'all. We're gonna get into what's growing on in our lives, what we got going on in the industry, or with the show, or whatever the heck we want to do. A little bit of uh, product, featured product of the show here from uh, Way to Grow. I got a humidifier. I'm gonna talk about. That's not dehumidifier. Humidifier. Yeah, that means you living in the mountains, man. What we've been smoking this week, or what we what we've been hearing about people smoking, that's always a good one. I, I, sometimes I get too too boring with that. I feel like for the listeners, when I got to go into uh, man, I'm doing glass slipper again. You know, some of your old standby genetics that I'm I'm always having around. That's why so. we got to hook up with the dispensary, man. We got to get one of these dispensaries to, to to let us know what the cool shit is this that of the week. You know the. Uh I, I totally agree. They should, like, take that segment over with us and just, yeah, it's like, man, this week we got the dank OG Firewalker Kush Dog 69er in. Dude, that you kind of thing. that, man? Exactly. Oh, my God. Then we'll get into uh, get in a little bit of the news for y'all and then a grow talk. That's uh, questions from you guys and a special back. Jacob, Jacob from Growmore is dropping almost too much science. I think we <laughs> caught him after like three cups of coffee this time. Yeah, I really wanted to interlude. You're sure you smoke weed, right, man? Because I'll be damned. Yeah, I mean, but it's a good, uh, a real good sit-in interview talking about, um, I don't know, you said, what, what would you say? We Put it in a nutshell. What did we talk about? He was about, trying Scotty? to help me out. You know, he knows I love microbe talk, so he's trying to just talk about microbes and the relation to how, uh, how fertilizers eat the microbes and work with them. It was pretty interesting, man. It was definitely really interesting. 
digging. And then if and then in the end, uh, of course, what's going on in our grows before we before we put it on the bag. That was my pre-show wrap up in a backwards kind of way. I spent you more time in my grow actually doing construction and working this this week than God, man, probably the last eight weeks combined, man. So I got a shitload to talk about there, man. All good too. Huge, huge improvements, man. Hopefully some some of y'all can learn from my mistakes, man. I have a feeling there will be some humidity talk in there for one reason oh, or another. As long as it's in the past tense, homie, because I got that problem licked. All right. I'm excited to hear, actually, because that has been an ongoing problem on and off for Yeah, eons. I had the Oregon environment in my room, man. You know what I mean? It's cold <laughs> and right, damp. Well, uh, what, do you, uh, what do you got growing on these days? Let's jump into what's growing on real quick. Yeah, here. man. You got it, man. You got it. Anyway, man, I was checking out still. I'm into that. Uh, I've been looking at that nectar of the gods, honestly, or nectar for the gods. Honestly, it's, it does seem confusing, man, or it seems like there's a lot of components for a simple A-B guy like me. I don't know if I can make the jump, man. You know, I, I mean, it's literally a, a different style of growing where you got to be in that room every single day, and that just ain't me right now. I mean, yeah, you got to be in your room. I mean, let me give you an example. I And it's probably kind of, I don't want to use, I was going to say it's probably kind of retarded. Is retarded a sense, is that a sensi- sensitive you know word what? on the show? It is Can we not, say that? man. And now I hear they're trying to take bitch. And then I was just talking to OG Dirtbag last night, and he told me that his uh, politically collect- correct friends are trying to take away douchebag now. And I ain't having it, man. I'm fighting for these damn words, man. I want to be able to say all right. Well, it's kind of uh, retarded that, uh, man, now I almost lost my train of, train of thought there. We we're talking about uh, Nectar for the Gods. Oh, I got it. I, 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 See, reroute, now, it, I mean, this coffee yeah. and bowl is hitting me now, perfect Now, it wouldn't right be now. politically correct if I called you a retard for forgetting what you were saying. No, that'd be, that'd be, yeah, I'd probably get letters for that now. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't. But I will uh, say what I do. I have a humidifier in my room that um, – and I do this with other controls that I uh, – it can easily it has a quarter inch and we're going to talk about this a little bit later for the featured product but it has a uh, a float valve built into it and a quarter inch inline so if you want it just to run you never would have to fill it and it does not have a big reservoir so i go in there and fill it all the time like i basically every it could be filled every three hours about i'm like dude this is retarded but i love visiting my garden you have to visit your garden i'm keeping it the fuck real yo <laughs> So, yeah, I am, and I do need to uh, make sure I'm in there just constantly. It's And it's only usually for a minute or less, So, but it's a good way to keep on top of your, your shit in the garden. But I'm, I'm taking away your growing on, so go no, ahead and continue. I agree with the hey, look, I, I, I get looks... there for a minute or less into my garden every day. I just don't get there for the hour it takes to really do all everything that needs to be done. You're supposed to be chilling, sitting in your room. Uh, if it's comfortable for you, it's comfortable for your plants. You're supposed to be watching things click on and off and watching watering cycles go. And, and you know, you're supposed to be really monitoring that shit, man. Definitely, and that's how you get get your tweaks, and that's how you get your quality and weight, etc. Um, I'm trying to pull up here the uh, feeding schedule for Nectar for the Gods because it's not like I think uh, they have. And this was last episode, right? If you guys didn't right. catch it, episode yeah, 53 we had, to- had the uh, interview with Scott from Nectar from the 
for the guys, and it was a really yeah, good Yeah, and I interview. will tell you that the wrap on Scott is, and, and his, his products are that they grow great, great quality, man. And, I mean, pe- people love them. I'll talk to you. Know, I call grocery stores all over the country. They tell me the guys that buy nectar, they start, and they don't stop buying it, and they're getting the weight. They're getting to sell it to dispensaries and, and you know, getting that top-shelf money for it in, in legal states. So, I mean, there's something there, definitely. I'm just not sure what, while I'm looking at the feed chart, wow, it looks complicated. And it, it looks a, a, looks like it's going to cost a decent amount for the everyday guy to run. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. What are you doing, dude? Um, I, I was going to talk, talk about the, the feeding schedule there real quick as far as chime in on what you're saying. Well, they, I uh, think, and I lost it for just a No worries. I, I think they have a what? basic feeding schedule there, and then they've got, you know, you can add on to it from there. I thought there was like three or four levels of their schedule on there. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and I'll go into those, and I'll let, let the listeners know officially we're, we're not in studio today, but we're trying to also perfect uh, recording from remote locations sometimes, so when we have, like, our Jamaica trip and shit like that, you know, we can come to you from wherever, so if you do hear a little bit of unstudioness, <laughs> which is an official word, um, it, it's, it could be because of what I'm smoking, which we'll get into later, or the, the multiple cups of coffee, but... Otherwise, uh, we're on it. So you're right. The the feeding chart does have a simple thing where they can just you could just use four things, right? And then it has an advanced, which jumps it up to about eight things. But then it has a pro level, which jumps it up to like thirteen or fourteen things. Where that's where it's like, all right, man, like that's too much shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thirteen, fourteen things is just you know we're getting into with the the psycho box there. You know what I'm saying? And that's just crazy. It's just too many items. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to give some stuff a go. Don't get me wrong. Definitely going to do his uh, his his soil mix because uh, we didn't even talk about that a lot. I'd like to get him on again to talk about that. Real sounds like a real quality, like small batch soil mix. It reminds me like when I get the good beer and it's like small batch. You know, they only brew it for a limited time. Yeah, you time. know, there was definitely some... Uh, uh, you know, as, as some of our best listeners, I, I called JD about the smartest listener that, that we got, man. And he had, had was kind of, you know, had some question marks about some of the some of the things that were said, you know, the, the small batch type things like that. I wonder as well, you know, the, the, the well, you know, the proof will be in the pudding. I'm going to run the soil. I'm going to run the uh, Herculean harvest. I think I'm going to run the bloom chaos. I always have ran their pH up. It's a great pH up product. And just, you know, start if I, I might try to run the simple program on one plant, but I just got to make sure I got time for that work. You know, uh, testing something on one plant takes dedication and work because you got to mix everything different for that plant, of course. uh, And just, it's a little bit harder, but I don't have a high plant count by any means. So I might try to try to pull that off. Nice. Now what was the one with the bone meal? That was the Herculean. I believe, yeah, that was uh, Her- Herculean. Yeah, now that he really did get me, get me interested when he was talking about the bone meal and using that up till the end. That, that was really interesting. So uh, I've been playing with something. I don't know. I think I'm going to keep it under my hat for now. Maybe I'll give it out as a Christmas present. But I've been playing playing with something. I got a couple things brewing. Yeah, I mean, you got to give us a little bloom more than boosters. that. Bloom boosters. I'm I'm making an organic bloom booster for everybody. Organic. No, I, I figured out there, there's right, a few components right. using that bone meal and just adding one or two more simple components. I think we can make an awesome PK boost because that bone meal is a zero twelve zero. So it's got what is bone meal? Is this just is it like ground up bone? I mean, judging from the words, yeah, it sounds like it's if kelp meal is ground up kelp. I would imagine bone meal is ground up bone. You know, I've heard. I haven't looked into it a lot, but people having concerns with the. Uh, 
different cow diseases that can spread and that dust and stuff. I think somebody was commenting on it. I don't know if it was in one of our forums, but the dust from the uh, the bone meal, you know, you can get bad shit from. But And then somebody else chimed in, which I agree. You can get bad shit from any dust. I mean, think about guano dust. Like, I try to cover my mouth up when I'm top dressing my guanos. Like, that shit came from... Probably wherever South America or something, and I don't know what the hell's in it. Probably not good. So was the guy breathe. that was scraping it off the wall? Was he wearing a dust mask in the cave? Probably not. No, no, they're not worried about. They're not worried about no, that. It's over fine. There. It's to- totally fine. Somebody help my addiction to bat guano, man. I can't kick it. And if somebody wants to give me some tips on that, uh, chime in. Chime I mean, in. I will say you got to be careful with the bat guanas. I can, you know, you can usually taste it if you don't flush it out early enough. That's one of those things that really stays, man. Yeah. Oh, guano? Yeah. You, you got to flush that shit out. I mean, I would not put it on. If I got two weeks left, definitely not. I mean, last time I'm putting a little bit of bat guano on is when I have uh, at least three weeks left before I'm going right. to cut the plant. And I'll just do a light, like a light bloom top dressing. So. But that... People will be seeing. That's how I'm going to roll. I'll take it take it into what I got growing on if you're done yeah, with man, that. Yeah, man, what you got? You done? You done trashing? Trashing? I, whoa, uh, man. Hang, I, actually, hang on a second, you... dude. I dug what Scott was talking about, and I'm so not trashing him. I'm just trying to keep an, an open mind and, and represent the, the audience's perspective. Some some people said some things that were pretty interesting, and I uh, just wanted to, to represent them, man. What about uh, what are you gonna stick with? What are you gonna What are you gonna Do you have I a do. plan? I, I mean, I know you're changing was, up your environment. I was gonna wait but, till what's um, going on in I, my grow, but I, I, okay, okay, I, I'll we'll mix do that. It in. Scott's keeping on I, I'll point. I'll mix it in, man. Right. I went to go look at some some flowers. I got some flowers that are finishing up right now, and they look. It's just I got one plant that looks, you know, that's finishing up. It's about two weeks in, or two weeks from harvest, and it looks great. But it's just the the size of the trichomes don't look as big as I want. It's frosted with white. But it doesn't have, you know, that, you know, you can usually tell when they've got those bulbous heads on the trichome, you can really tell that they're, uh, they're just covered. I mean, it just takes up more surface area and they just get covered in these white crystals. And I was kind of scratching my head. That's where I was a couple weeks ago. I was scratching my head saying, man, when I used to get these crazy frosty white nugs and now I don't know, it just ain't so heavy. And that's why I was thinking about switching it up, this and that and blaming canna. Man, it wasn't canna. It was... <laughs> and, dude, get ready to pat yourself on the back. It was my fogger. I was actually blowing off and, and breaking and rupturing the, the, TH, the THC trichomes with my fogger. And then when I'd look at them, you could see they were actually broken. The fogger was so powerful going in there and, and spraying, you know, every three or four days. It was actually knocking the trichomes off or, if not, if not knocking them off, breaking them. And so, yeah, that was the big mistake I was making. I got to dial that fogger way, way down, man. And I got to be careful. You can break and crush trichomes. If you're walking, even you know where I found it is the aisleways where I have to walk to get to my reservoir to fill up the reservoirs. Yeah, right where I brushed up against everything, those buds looked shittier than the buds that were completely untouched and undisturbed. Uh, interesting. I'll still, I guess, yeah, the fogger more than actually, I mean, I rub up against flowers all the time. I mean, real estate's valuable in the indoor grow, of course, so you're not having huge clean right. aisleways. That's yeah, that's what sure. made me first look, though, is I looked right down the aisleway where I was walking, and I was like, yeah, I guess I could be rupturing some, some trichomes. And then sure enough, I looked, and yeah, they were, they were like these straight lines, and they weren't like, they didn't have a bulbous head on the top of them. And then, yeah, I liken that to, you know, the bulbous head got ruptured. 
Yeah. Gotcha. So, gotcha. I still would like to come up and give you the, I gave a, uh, another grower friend a, a consult, whatever, hanging out visit. It wasn't like, hey, come out and tell me, you know, it's always fun to go over to open-minded gardeners and tell them what you think about their garden and stuff. And I'll talk about that coming up. But uh, I want to get into uh, a couple things with what's growing on in my world. Yeah, man. I'm going to, uh, we've been trying to feature a new uh, like YouTube recommended videos, videos our listeners are, are bringing up, but I'm going to kick my uh, my YouTube channel back in. People that have watched it know I've been slacking. Uh, it's a really good YouTube channel. The dude grows and just got real busy with this podcast, actually, to where I, I, I've still been taking the videos. I just haven't, you know, put them up and critiqued them and stuff. And, you know, everything's easy, but everything takes time. So really, I put my garden into flower last night, and uh, that is going to be straight up. I know I've said this before, so people can call me out if they'd like. Fully documented. I'm going to document it every every day of the grow, every day I do anything in the flower room, three different genetics. I'm like, this is going to be pretty sweet, you know. Maybe I'll do a uh, a uh, paid like a YouTube paid channel or something, you know. Sell and, out. You know, for my effort of... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I well, I went around in my own head, man. There's a lot of good content out on the Business internet bad? for free. Fuck you, pay me. Oh, you had a fire? Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> Place got hit by lightning, huh? Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> oh, that was supposed to be the short fuck you, pay me. Sorry. You like that, <laughs> huh? You like that. Well, fuck you. <laughs> Don't pay me on that, guys. I'm going to keep that con- – I mean, I want to keep the content the content free. And you guys know, you know, a quick grower's service announcement here. Um, not too much on my soapbox. And, we're, you know, the show is progressing. We're still only in our 54th episode here. We have a lot to go and a lot of new things. To, the show should always be getting better. Um, I mean, if you listen to even the audio quality most of the time from – we still have some hiccups. But if you if you can listen with from the beginning, you guys know how we're working on it. And thank you for the people. This is a listener-supported show show and I really want to keep it that way because people have told us we didn't have a list recommended that you should have X amount of the show free and X amount of the show is like the paid version and I really don't like that me and Scotty get into conversations about it now I want to keep this shit rolling as it is and keep the listener supported model so it's just a quick reminder to everybody out there man that's if you go to dudegrows.com you can donate there through PayPal to a a little parent company that has nothing to do with with weed. I know some people get paranoid. It's through PayPal. And the strongest thing for us, subscribe to our show. I mean, the minimum donation is $4.20 a month. I mean, what would be fabulous, what we'd love listeners to do is feel that what they're hearing is worth a dollar an hour. So give us $4 a week, you know, totally helps. Uh, We just had to... uh, pay for a few supplies, some promo stash bags, some dude grows stickers. And for the first time ever, we were able to do that through our listeners helping us out, which is awesome. So thank you guys that have donated so far. I'll get off my, my soapbox there. But every once in a while, you're going to hear me. You're going to hear me you, hype you know a little. What? If you can handle it, Scotty. We are getting a lot of support, though, man. And we're getting support in, you know, in, in a bunch of different ways. There's folks that are sharing the show with their friends. Uh, there's people that are actually, man, I've had seven or eight of our listeners go into their growth store, introduce the dude grow show and introduce recharge to the store. It's the people like that, man, make, you know, make it all worthwhile, man. That's so cool. You know, I mean, recharge is how I make my living. So when I sell recharge, I'm able to, you know, make stupid songs for the show and, and dedicate some, some efforts and, and time and money towards the show, man. So it really helps, man. So, uh, recharge has been selling. I think it's one of, you know, one of the strongest products at way to grow this December. I mean, we had an insane sales period, man. Uh, people, people. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. That's definitely appreciated. Yeah, and I can as well. only attribute that to our listeners, man. So I am super impressed and and humbled by all the support and all the positivity we get too, man. I don't know if 
I think I got one kind of negative email this, you know, since we started. I, I, you know, I mean, yeah. it's pretty awesome. Everybody else is loving, you know, everybody loves it, man. Yeah, and I just if we could just get 25% of our, our listeners to subscribe, that's going to cover. I just dude needs to cover the dude grow show expenses, you know. You don't I love to do the show. We're always going to do the show, but kind of sucks doing a show sometimes when after you pay web hosting and Libsyn and pod players and everything else and you're not you're, you're losing money then that's not too exciting but I, I mean I would I would do the show even if I was losing money. hell yeah you know, man the show never started about <laughs> money for us man it just started about getting the word out man having all this great weed talk man and just this great information and just trying to get it out there man well, I'll do a quick shout out to some peeps before, before we go to our break here. As far as, uh, of course, Way to Grow, a uh, great supporter of the show. Uh, use Dude Grows account at any seven Way to Grows. I'm going to actually be going up this weekend to visit the one in the mountains in Silverthorne, and you'll get a great discount guaranteed. Just say you want to use Dude Grows account. Get the cheapest, most, I was going to say the most best <laughs> bulb in town, Hortolux 1000 watt HPSs, 60 bucks, Dude Grows Bulb deal. As many as you want, go get 25 Hortoluxes for 60 bucks under the Dude Grows sure, Bulb deal. Sure, go get deal. a pallet of them. We've so, seen it done. <laughs> no Central shit. Denver, they're not. Uh, who else we got out there? Afraid can, can fan has showed us right. some love. Yeah, man. Loving the can fans, man. I think you got that coming up in Grow Talk. You've been doing some can fan playing yeah, around. Yeah, man. I actually... Uh, Definitely, definitely playing with my can fans, man. Got them, got them quiet. Holy shit, man! You got to know what you're doing installing those fans, or else you, yeah. Because, yes, dude. First, my first install, my first attempt. Uh, my wife was like, uh, "The fucking china cabinet is shaking." Okay, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> like, you know, I can't live like this. But I figured it out. Only took the second attempt till I figured it out, man. Heard. We've had some listeners enjoying the Optic Foliar. I've gotten good feedback on that. I definitely still have some Optic Foliar available. Guys, easiest way to get your hands on some Optic Foliar is to go to realgrowers.com. You can go into the, the checkout. And I mean, this is while supplies last, but go into the store, I should say. Grab your Optic Foliar transport and then at checkout, put coupon code OPTIC. And all you have to pay for is $5 for shipping. And I'll send you out some transport and some overgrow. So that's the way you hook it up at realgrowers.com. Coupon code OPTIC at checkout. And you only have to pay 5 bucks. So we still have some of that to give out. Good product. I've been using their overgrow. I hung up my Azimax for a little bit. Not that I don't love it, but just to try this new product. And um, it's it's been working great. I spray them once a week with it. It's beneficially feeds them as well as a little bit of perithum in there takes care of any potential problems so uh lights on and everything no issues for me yet so that's how you hook up on the optic yeah man i had i think eight or nine people hook up a free eight ounce recharge by sending it to their grow store man these guys went into their grow store talked about recharge introduced it and then just went on my website and went to realgrowers.com slash store sample they added one to their cart and put the name of the guy that sent it to at the grow store in the ship to and blammo man that's been awesome. So everyone, go, you know, they get a tracking number and they pick it up for free at the store. So much love, man. Thank you. Especially, that, man, my boy Kevin, man, up in Michigan. God damn, that guy is aggressive, man. That's what I'm saying. Everybody supports in their own way. And big ups, man. Thank you. Definitely. And then uh, I guess I don't know if it's lastly, but uh, shout out to Trim Pro, guys. I've been seeing a lot of videos. We got a video sent in by a listener. Massive, like, outdoor takedown and three or four trim pros being used uh trim pro enabled us to be able to try out one of their machines 
I'm going to try it next year at Harvest. I have tried and, it. Uh, I, I busted it out. I had a really ugly purple Urkel that I wanted to take down. It's just leafy and just it's almost a garbage plant. We can turn it into wax. But I wanted to see what it would do, man. And right, right as I pulled the, the branches off, I just ran them over the machine. Maybe took two, three minutes per pretty large branch, you know. And then just hung them upside down, man. Yeah, they still need some additional trimming. If I was selling it as outdoor, that'd be it, man. You know what I mean? I wouldn't do no touch-up. But this, yeah, needs some additional trimming. But I'll be damned if it don't take most of the work out for you. And I think you mentioned that the flowers, uh, if your flowers, and this is probably with a lot of trim machines, are too too wispy or you had issues. or I mean, I would say probably the, the denser or the harder. It's not impossible, harder, like man. It's not it. impossible to cut some of your flower off with that thing. I mean, the grates are literally, you know, a quarter inch. You know, there's quarter inch space between. But I them. believe you can get different grate sizes. Yeah, too. definitely. And I mean, you got. I think the trick is there, there's some operator uh, skill involved. You can't kind of hang the flower just right on the grate. You have to be constantly moving it. You know, in, in, in one direction. And I'm pretty sure it's just a, a one direction, a pull, a pull towards you and constantly pulling. If it just hangs out, sits. Yeah, that's what those outdoor yeah. guys were doing. Was like. It was like a back and forth real quick, like, shoot, shoot. And then, yeah, I mean, of course, they had it perfected. But I'll put that video in the show links for you guys if you want to check it out. It's not too long. It just shows a big outdoor takedown, like Trim Pro being used in tons of weed and huge plants. Yeah, I like the weed, man. I think that was uh, Junior Junior Token that sent that over to us. (laughs) It's not Junior, by the way. He was laughing his ass off. It's JR. Well, you know, it looks just like <laughs> Junior. Know. So, but, I'm sorry, Jr. Uh, I'm going with Junior. I just renick. I just much love uh, Much love, Jr. We do read the comments, by the way. As long as he doesn't get insulted by me messing oh with that, taking Jr. God, to Junior. Man. Oh my God, <laughs> we won't get into it, man. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, word, uh, guys. We're gonna take a quick break here. Come back with. Uh, News, what we're smoking, all kinds of shiz, all yeah. kinds of shiz. So everything is over at dudegrows.com, guys. All the shows, some good content from the captain. And, uh, yeah, check it out over there. We're always working on that site. And fully mobile. If you don't don't have no fear to use it on your smartphone, it loads awesome. Yeah, Trust yeah, me. we actually redesigned Dude Grow, so it, it was uh, uh, smartphone responsive, man. Whatever device you use, it'll work. Or on one of those newer type things. What are those things called that are just like a flat screen with no Oh, you keyboard? like them Kindle Fire? Tablet. Yeah. There we go. Tablet. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back, guys. Taking a quick break. DudeGrows.com. Take her easy, dude. <laughs> that bud look what? Shit looks good. Shit's danker than a motherfucker. That shit look good? I mean, how's the smell? How's it taste? Is it grown right? It's grown straight up with recharge, homie. She. Look, listen. Grower. Tell your crew I'm looking for one of them bad-ass purple buds. No doubt. The recharge buds. But if it ain't all that, you know if it ain't up to what the dude in Scotty Real is growing, oh, yeah. you already know what to do. If you got little buds, tell your boy, recharge it up. If you got root rot, tell them boys, recharge it up. If you got yellow leaves, then tell your boy, recharge it up. If you want to grow them big fat buds, then all you do, recharge it up. If you want to grow that stanky shit, then tell them boys, recharge it up. Hey 
Hey guys, remember that there's plenty more great grow knowledge over at DudeGrows.com. So go check out all of our news, videos, and latest articles about growing great weed without all the bullshit. And remember, it's donations from listeners like you that keep the real deal marijuana grow knowledge coming at ya. So visit DudeGrows.com and be the DGC. Alright, we're back. Back with the featured product of the show which is something Mr. Real does not need, a humidifier, not a dehumidifier. Wow, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody's situation's different, but I see it all the time. Um, And it varies to a different degree of what plant growth you're in, but in my veg room, I really didn't need a humidifier because it's small enough with the door closed. It's just one T5 eight bulb. Going into the flowering room, I'm running couple gallons a day through this thing to add humidity and if if you're you know if you grow in florida don't listen to this but colorado is dry as shit and if you guys haven't hung up a hygrometer at the very minimum to to keep track your 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 humidity it it only gives you your high point and low point for the day it's like a 19 15 19 thing so you can know where your humidity is always at and uh people don't realize sure these plants will do good uh i won't even say good they'll do okay with really low humidity, but it makes them susceptible to other problems, mites, all kinds of bullshit. When you give them some humidity, especially in veg, they love it. Like you can run 60% humidity in veg, 65% humidity in veg, and then I always try to run between 40 and 50 in flowering. I let it fluctuate in that range, except towards the very end of flowering, and then I, I let it go way down. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm hitting 50 now I, in, in, in my rooms now, so I'm pretty psyched about that with the air conditioner running. And you got a lot more water things going on down there. Um, depends on people's situations with reses. If they're in a flood and drain table, that's creating humidity. I just have some soilless containers, you know, 20 gal, 15 gal, and they still create a little bit humidity, but typically only right after I water, and then the humidity levels really drop. Yeah. So this, I'm, I'm using them self-watering pots. So they've got a, maybe a two gallons, and maybe some of them even have like four gallons down below the down below the uh, uh re- they have like a little sub reservoir underneath the soil and i'll be damned if that don't wick up and just create a more humid environment and i mean if you have a lot of those i'm like i said i'm playing with veggies and all that stuff so um i've got a lot of smaller pots in there and that's a lot of water being held around there so that definitely is up in my humidity as well yeah and not every garden is going to be in need but um your your sure your sh- will sure will find a few that are so if you guys do need to add humidity and this is a 300 humidifier so a lot of people are like man you know fuck that my plants are doing okay um this is one of the reasons i don't usually deal with mites other than i have an ipm in place too which is integrated pest management which i love to break that down (laughs) and uh Basically, the this humidifier is carried by Sunlight Supply. It's called the commercial grade. I'll just break it down real quick for y'all. Uh, just plugs into 110, doesn't take much power. Has a little reservoir in it that holds maybe not even a gallon. But then after the fact, you can hook up a quarter-inch water line, you know, just like one of those little kits to your fridge ice maker. Sure. And uh, there's a float valve in there, so it'll always be at the ready. And I ran mine for, I think, at least two and a half, three years before the other day I just totally broke it down I'm like all right let's see if dude can do this man like I took it completely apart because I wanted to clean you know every single part of it and being that it's called a commercial grade humidifier sure enough man it was not a problem I mean I'm not bad at taking things apart I mean it depends on how much meth I've done that that day or week but 
basically, uh, it, it was it was sweet. The thing broke down easy. I cleaned almost every single part, put it all back together. It was like new, and that was the third year I had ran it, um, just with plain water off the tap. Now, it could be a little different. The shittier the water, the more you're going to have to maintain it because it gets like hard mineral buildup on certain parts and whatever. But the thing rocks. I mean, I've seen people, and I've even tried, whatever, man, I'll just go to Walgreens and like hook up one of those ones that you put like a little water bottle on top of, and they don't do shit, no. not even in a closet. No, it just disappears. Your water just disappears, man. You got to have something this one, like float. Y- you can hear, you know, you can hear it blasting, and it, it'll shoot like, you know, four feet up, a pretty good mist, and it's a good mist. It's not like one that if I hold my hand in, it doesn't immediately get wet. It's pretty fine, as it should be, and, you know, to become one with the surrounding dry air. Uh, so hook that up if you guys need humidity, especially. It'll do up to, I think, uh, well, here, let me break the specs down here. What you got, man? I get, I get real excited about the specs. For real. Um <laughs> This measures, I'm not going to tell you the measurement. It's pretty damn small. This thing's pretty small. It's like a humidifier you'd buy from another store. Uh, It'll cover up to about 400 square feet, which is nice. And uh, let me go into these other specs. Yeah, 400 square feet is a decent amount, man. I think that's 400 regular square feet. That's 400 grow room square feet. I mean, shit, that's like a 30 by 10, you know, or 40 by 10, rather. Yeah, I mean, if you got, as you should anyway, good air movement, I mean, that's the key. Because if this thing's blowing out humidity in a bigger room in one spot and not, you don't have your floor fans and your wall fans, then you shouldn't be, that. you should handle your air movement before humidity first. But anyway, um, yeah, any guys, Sunlight Supply is typically available to any hydroponics store. I've seen these online distributed in different ways, more expensive and like private labeled and shit. But you shouldn't have to pay more than 300 for this thing. And if you search commercial grade humidifier or grow room humidifier you'll probably find this i'll put it in the show links for y'all and uh i mean i don't know i I guess more people don't have this this problem um in in other states but i i sure do in my gardens and it's you know i don't run it all the time but it's a good tool to have to have except for scotty who has too much humidity all the time you know that was the old scotty man that was the old scotty that was the scotty that used to pull his air through his lights man Gotcha, gotcha. What, what? Uh, tell me what you've been smoking this week. Man, I had I've been visited. We did a, a segment. We recorded a segment that'll come out in the future with uh, Sea Breeder Hank. And man, he brought some of his greenhouse Shiite from uh, from this this summer. And man, I smoked. You know, I had my choice of CBD crew. I had my choice of GDP. Uh, I believe Flow was a Flow OG. But I, I took the uh, I took the straight up GDP. Because there was a granddaddy purple, sorry. There is nothing that matched the flavor of that stuff, man. I mean, that was awesome. It's just got that crazy great purple flavor to it, man. And uh, I love it. It really gets you irie, too, man. One-hit pot. That's pretty. I, did you say irie? Irie. Are the kids still saying that these days? You've been hanging out with some of them Jamaican boys, maybe <laughs> a little too much. <laughs> What about Marley's weed, dude? Have you gotten your hand on Bob Marley weed yet? Man, I have not, but I have seen like that Tommy Chong came out with some stupid fucking can of wipe your butt with fucking product or something, man. And it's kind of oh yeah, that's in our news coming up. Yeah, it's just fucking. We weird. gotta we gotta talk about Tommy Chong and what he's got going on. Shit, man, Tommy Chong or, or Tommy Chong's marketing agency, man. Which one are we talking about? I saw uh, actually in a, a national chain called Vitamin Cottage. Just yesterday, uh, the the Marley brand coffee. <laughs> I was like, oh man, 
I don't know. I mean, I just, I just don't think Bob would be down, guys. Hey, Bob, so. Bob would be down if it was going to feed the village. But is it going? Yes. Is it going to buy his grandson a Rolls Royce? He ain't down with that. Maybe uh, I don't know. They, they, they do have claims on there to where it goes to different charities and shit. I'll have to look into it. But I got to take a hit of this bowl real quick before I talk about what I'm smoking. So go ahead and indulge the listeners with a sound bite or some entertainment. Yeah, you got it, man. Here's what I, here's what Bob Marley would say. I want you to buy food and clothes for the less fortunate people in the community. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I can't I'm believe back. I actually what found I- a use for that sound bite, man. <coughs> I'm, sm- <coughs> I'm smoking uh, literally some Pineapple Express, man. What? And if you have not seen the movie, it's it's worthwhile seeing as well. Yeah, that is. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught Seth Rogen and, and uh, what's the other guy's name, man? God damn it, man. <laughs> really weird, really funny kid, man. Anyway, they were both on on uh, Howard Stern doing an interview a couple of days ago about the the interview that that uh, where they try to kill Kim Jong Il. That movie that's causing all the controversy now. Really, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. like Sony Pictures had to pull it off. Oh yeah, man, definitely. But they were uh, they were just talking about. But damn it, I can't remember the guy's name. He hosted the Oscars and shit, man. He, you know, he's a real. You know, he did Milk. He did these real. Uh, uh, you know, heavy acting roles, and he's like, "All people ever know me for is Pineapple Express." Now, man, <laughs> you know why I mean? you got to be talking about James Franco? Like, thank that? you, man, thank you. He is a funny dude, man. He's a weird guy, James Franco. I like him. Yes, he is funny and weird, and a good actor for sure. Yeah, yeah. Another before we get back to what we're smoking, because I just smoked some Pineapple Express. This evil weed, man, it just gets you talking about shit, right? Is <laughs> uh, a movie called I think it's called This Is the End, and it's like where it's the end of the world, and James everybody ends up at James Franco's house in Hollywood and shit, and it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's got like twenty different comedians in it. It's a great movie. Nice. Watch this. That's my high pick for the holidays, guys. Watch This Is the End if you haven't seen it. And get real high. All right, real fucking high on weed. So I'm smoking this Pineapple Express. Got it from a buddy the other day, and uh, I like it so far. As far as I'm trying to give the connoisseur review, which is so hard for me because I'm just like, yeah, it's good. I'm high. <laughs> I mean, it's got a cat but, piss kind of smells. It got a, uh, you know, what, what's the smell like, man? You got a piney kind of. Well, what, what do you got? I pull some out of the bag here. Yeah, it smells like weed. Uh huh. Nice. Basically, I'll say that so far I'll review the the not just the the weed but the grow real quick, um, the plants and the growth technique. Definitely, this is I, I the way I feel right now on it is it's a really good cerebral. Is that is that right? That's not even close to right, but we love it anyhow. Cerebral yeah, I'm go. just joking. <laughs> That's closer. It's a real good head high going on right now. Um, like uplifting. It's uplifting. It's enhancing my coffee right now to a different level of enhancement. And I do feel like it's, uh, this, this makes me want to go outside. I'm looking out a window right now and I want to go outside and hang out. So, Pineapple Express, <laughs> Pineapple Express will make you want to go outside. Hang out and drink coffee. All right. And it does burn good. I always like to burn it down to it burns down to white ash. So the grower did good there. I will tell you though, in the garden, I did notice. I was like, man, all those plants look a little effed, man. Like a little bit of leaf burnage, and then when you get that leaf burnage going back into the flower, so that kind of gives it a not great look when you trim it all up. If you got a little dead leaf material in the flower, right? But then over in the corner was a plant that looked pretty much perfect. I'm like, what the hell is that? And that was, it was a flow that it feeds exactly the same as all the Pineapple Express. So he was like saying the Pineapple Express has been real finicky for me. 
And I'm like, I can tell what you're saying since obviously whatever you're doing with the flow on the same regimen, it looks great. So a true testament to it's tricky to grow a, a different genetics in the same flowering cycle. So be careful with that shit. I mean, but it still turned out okay in the end. Uh, actually, I'm happy with it. It turned out pretty good. And uh, But yeah, if you're going to grow more than one, you'll find different different strains are more needy or less needy than others. Yeah, that's the truth, man. Yeah, some shit just wants to grow. You just put it, you just whatever, give it a once a week feeding and it wants to grow. Other shit, you got to be. You, you mean once a week treat is how you well, say once it. Once a week treat. I, I haven't even mentioned recharge the whole show, man. All right. So I was, I was going to say you drop some recharge on there once a week and uh, the plants grow. I've seen that happen, especially outdoors, man. Well, yeah, I, I, I forced, I don't know, you got, you put in, uh, last show, you put in the uh, Vanilla Ice Recharge remake, right? Yeah, yeah. I like to think of it as the Queen remake. Thank exactly. you. Exactly. Right. So when, I was like, look, man, we got to, if, if you're going to keep talking, which I don't mind, about Recharge, let's make some, let's make some inserts from between to mix with the King. And I think it's been coming out great. You guys give us some feedback, too, as far as uh, what you're thinking. But I know you got another release coming probably here in January of another, another really good, uh, What's growing on? Yeah. If I will. Yeah, man. We got some good shit going on, man. We've definitely been enjoying working with some of the more creatives out there, man. Big ups. Cool. Let's jump into the news. Let's jump into the news here. Uh, right off the bat, Nebraska. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty <laughs> afraid. Nebraska and Oklahoma are suing Colorado over marijuana law. Did you hear about this shit? I have heard about it. Yes, sir. But give me the details. Give me all the deets. Well, this is fresh off the press, so let me let me look into it here for one second and tell you that Boop -a -doop -a -doop. It is. developing news. Yeah, dude, put in the news, the news like the background news noise real quick. Right, I get my news from the dude in Scotty Rail. So basically, is brought to the attorney general's. Wait, hang um, on one second, man. This is one of the first times that I've seen like plants in the newspaper that actually look decent. Like this motherfucker knows what he's doing. Because for crying out loud, we used to see newspaper pictures of plants that were look like you were going to get a half ounce off them, and we were like, "What the fuck are these people doing, man?" Thank God somebody's finally teaching people how to grow out there, man, in commercial land. These plants well, look good. Well, um, if you look at the labels on those plants, Scotty, all of them are labeled Charlotte's Web. Oh, that's so, so sweet. That's probably why, because I the mean, they're the growers that are getting paid the most, probably out of everybody for what they're doing or trying to do or got going on. I mean, but, those plants look like my plants, actually, man. Same, si same size smart pots, you know, same style. I like that, man. This guy knows. He's same bamboo stakes he's busting out there. I love this guy. Looking good. We'll put this, if you guys want to see, in the show notes, of course, until we get to some way to figure out how you guys can see what we're seeing at the same time. All right. Um, let's get back into the news story here. So Nebraska and Oklahoma, um, they want to strike down parts of the voter-approved measure that legalized marijuana in Colorado. Uh, they said basically they're, they don't like how it's still outlawed there, and they said marijuana flows from this gap into neighboring states this this is what the actual suit says this is undermining their marijuana bans in oklahoma and nebraska and it's oh, draining <laughs> it's draining their treasuries scotty and placing states how the fuck is it draining their treasuries man if anything it's giving them a, it's stressing their criminal justice systems well, maybe they got a fucking problem. Last time I checked, man, in America, the the criminal justice system wasn't wasn't 
supposed to go throw people in jail for shit that people want, man. Did you just say America um, intentionally? America. No, I didn't. I think that's just who okay. I am these days, man. I'm I'm li- okay, living go ahead. America. in America. Yeah, man. But- so you think they're making <laughs> they should be making the money cuz they're in, they're making money off of putting these guys in prison? They're making money off putting people in prison and it's something that people obviously want. I mean, this country shouldn't be about incarcerating people. You know, not not for doing simple, you know, shit. If you got in trouble for drinking a beer or you just got thrown in jail for drinking a beer, which you drink a beer and you get in your car, you do get thrown in jail. You know, I mean, that's a problem. You know, if you get in trouble because you want to smoke a joint, you know, and now you're in the legal system, you're not able to get a job. I mean, that's a freaking problem, man. And they're making, they're creating this problem. People aren't going out and cutting other people's heads off after smoking a joint. So what is the problem, man? Why are they making this into, into a problem? Well, they have, I think some of this, like, for example, here they had uh, Sheriff Adam Hayward of Duell, Duell County, Nebraska, all right? Yeah. I don't even know if that's how they talk there. Uh, probably but not. Probably <laughs> probably does not have a huge budget and he's saying you know when when you got to put people into their jail not like the full-on prison system like this is the little county jail right and then they're there for a month or whatever two months they gotta they gotta feed them they gotta take care of them i mean the shit costs money so i think that's their well sure they, some they, of their gotta, they gotta let them out and drop them off at their jobs don't oh no they don't they don't get to show up for work when they're in fucking jail for smoking a joint bullshit yeah, well, I mean, it's not just people smoking a joint. There are obviously people that are trying to smuggle that I don't believe should be in jail either because they shouldn't have to smuggle. But uh, regardless, I mean, I don't, in my uh, attorney-ish dude point of view, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. I mean, why don't they just fix their systems? Yeah, I mean, of course this isn't going to go anywhere. You know there's a lot of lawyers that graduate each year, man, and each one of them needs to kind of find something for them to do, insert themselves in the legal framework somehow, and I, I think this is the result of it. On the upside, if they do succeed and you're in the black market business, your business will get better. Shit. Because, I mean, that's they're aiming at shutting down commercial production and not necessarily the whole thing with 64, it said, but more taking care of, yeah, the, the bigger grows, which, yeah, there's too much money there. This shit ain't, shit ain't going to go down, but I'm glad they're, I, I'm not glad they're trying. Maybe it'll just bring enough in a roundabout way attention that people will be like, look, some people go there with money where you guys need to change your laws, but I don't even know what kind of markets. It, I don't know what's a. I don't even know big towns in Nebraska off the top. Of my yeah, head. there might not People be no like, no big towns, but there's certainly a lot of honest, hardworking folks, man. And they they hell yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just saying they really should be able to smoke weed if they want to. But you know what? That's fine that they don't want to, and it's fine that that the laws are illegal in Nebraska. I ain't ever been there, and I ain't ever going. You know, and I'm keeping every dime that I made here in Colorado, where where they think like I do. Yeah, they they also a few more points criticized Colorado for not tracking marijuana once it is sold. I don't know what the hell you want to do there, and they're not requiring marijuana buyers to undergo criminal background checks. How the fuck do you? Th- what kind of system do you think this is? Track every bag sold, check every single person that wants to buy with criminal back. I mean that. Yeah, you're, you're that right. You're treating this insane. Like, yeah, I mean they're treating it like it's you know oxycontin or something like that. Like firearms. Yeah, and, and no, bullshit, man. You can fucking, they have no idea who owns firearms in this country. That, that, you know what I mean? They have no federal registry of that shit, man. That's amazing that they want to treat it. A firearm or something, you can go grab one and within 10 seconds kill a bunch of people with it. And they don't track that, but they want to track weed. Interesting, man. 
There's got to be another spin on that. I'll have to dig around the inter- internets. Yeah, the spin is that we had a whole cr- a group of lawyers here that we have nothing to do. You know, they have nothing to do. So what do we do? Let's do Colorado, man. Let's, let's, let's see if we can suck each other's dicks, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Let's try that. All right. It is. It is an explicit show. Um, Sorry, if just I to remind you guys. <laughs> Notice I am only bothered by the word dicks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean that's kind of what it seems like, man. Or, or, or it just seems like a circle jerk, man. Sorry. All right, next story. Good news. Good news. Maybe you have a take. Did you hear Congress ends medical marijuana prohibition with spending bill provision? So, I mean, in a nutshell, it's I believe it's saying that, you know, they can't DEA or whoever can't go after medical marijuana anymore and use, you know, the funds that are there. Did did you catch any of these stories? I a little bit about it. Yeah, I mean, I I'm guessing what it comes up to is that the you know, for a while, man, they've told uh the federal government has said we're going to leave um we're going to leave the medical marijuana producers alone because, I mean, it is pretty ridiculous to come into Colorado, spend three or four million dollars on production facilities and uh, uh, shit, I can't think of the word Dispen- dispensaries. You know what I mean? And just a really. Yeah, they're saying in the 32, 32 states that they, the law would prohibit federal drug agents from raiding retail outlets. Yes, yeah, so, um, I mean, I don't know if it, you do all that work. You got millions of dollars invested in this. And first off, then the profit margins start going down where you're like, all right, now I have to sell 9 and $12 grams to people and you know, $120 ounces. So now all of a sudden your profit margins aren't great. Your barriers to entry are huge, you know, as far as the paperwork and the, le- the legal framework you have to jump through. And then after you start making money, there's no protection saying that once you start making a shitload of money or good money that the feds aren't going to come and fucking knock your door down so i mean it, it really did uh yeah make it- i mean the other the measure was only which this isn't all about that 1600 pages long i think they, they make shit so long just so it won't be thoroughly reviewed and they can hide shit everywhere in it they do man you, you know you we were talking about last week about how dc that congress came in and and banned medical marijuana in dc and they did it with this it was like some crazy, you know, 1,600-page bill that came through. And, of course, it comes through like four hours at, before the government's going to shut down. And maybe my numbers are wrong, but it came in like, a, you know, a very limited time before the government would literally shut down. Like this was their funding bill for, for the next year. And they were like, well, you know what? We'll give you all this money. Just, uh, you know, we just don't want this legal weed in, in, Colorado, in uh, D.C., though. And I mean, they threw a bunch of that kind of crap in there, man. It really, I, I took a look at this thing and man, it, it was enough to make you want to throw up, man. The way, the way Congress works, it's just straight up broken, man. Yeah. And I, I think, and I, I don't, that being said, celebrate anything, of course, because this, I don't know if this is official yet, but there's always, yeah, a way to fucking twist it around or do something. But these guys are the dirtiest of the fucking dirty right there, man. I mean, I have zero respect for congressmen. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I think our own congressman. Well, you know what? This is the new dude's grow, dude grow show. Okay, so I'll stop. <laughs> I'm not- just saying these guys have all got to take so much fucking money. You know what they did in that same bill? They raised the amount. I can't. I wish I knew the specific numbers. But while they were lowering, uh, it, while they were telling you that you couldn't smoke weed in Washington D.C., they refused to decriminalize weed in Washington D.C. They um, raised the amount that people could donate to political contributions. Like just some crazy amount, like from like fifty thousand dollars to a half a million dollars. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? While telling you you couldn't smoke. So they just vote shit for themselves, and, and it's just completely self-serving, man. Yeah, I agree with that. All I right. agree with that. No more politics, man. They all suck. All right, next story. Good news. Good news. Colorado awards $8 million to study medical marijuana uses. I mean, this has been needed on a whole bunch of fronts by a whole different universities for a long time. Uh, so I'm glad that because then, you know, we can shut the naysayers the hell up and actually, you know, for kids with epilepsy and all this shit, go to studies, actual, you know, done in universities and be like, this is what we can reference. This is why we're doing this. So, yeah, we've uh, shut we've shut the naysayers up, man. I mean, you know, I mean, it is just absolute fact that cannabis is good medicine for uh, seizures. You know, I mean, definitely there. And it's not for everybody, and they can go into way more details, though, on who it's good for and how it works. They're also going to look into Parkinson's disease and post-traumatic stress disorder as well. So, I mean, I'm pretty stoked I mean, I could that... fucking see that, right? If you had some crazy stressful, you know, you saw war, you know, crazy stuff like that, I could see where smoking some weed and even keeping yourself a bit numb on weed would certainly help. Yeah, and I that's where the, some of the study needs to be done because they could be like, look, this... This makeup of THC, CBD, terp, everything, this is the best makeup we found to treat this group of a thousand people with. So they can start to dial in maybe more strains. I know for sure that there can be strains that can make you really paranoid or too strong. And maybe that's horrible if you have post-traumatic stress. So being able to put the shit in the lab, I'm loving it. I would, you know, I want to go, I'm going to go get my degree real quick in a different area and go participate in the study. Here's one Phoenix online right here, man. Two week degree. Oh, nice. So I don't even have to go to school. <laughs> no way, man. No way. You're all right. Check out this. This one is super tight. Um, other projects during this research will be <laughs> not just this one. Well, research using marijuana to treat irritable bowel syndrome in adolescents and young adults as well as how cannabis compares with pain, the pain medication oxycodone. How much do we need research there? Fucking A. Number one abused, probably prescription type shit out there, as well as... Hang on, dude. Yeah, it's the number one abused, okay? But there's plenty of people that have experienced severe, uh, you know, whatever. They were in an accident. They had a, a leg amputated. Oh, I agree with that. And I'm not... this is one of, this is a really, Oxycontin is a really good medicine for those people. I just lost a, a friend that, that had a very slow death of, of cancer. And at least he wasn't screaming in agonizing pain at the end. You know what I mean? He was comfortable. He died and he was fucking on heroin, but he was comfortable, you know? Sometimes that's all you can ask, man. So I kind of get, a, I, I once read an article about Oxycontin, how many people it helps. And yeah, it sure does get abused, man. And it does really ruin lives of a lot of people that choose to let it ruin their lives because they choose to, to take it when they don't need it. But, you know, I mean, Oxycontin and cannabis, as far as if you're you know, really, really sick, that's probably a goddamn good combination, man. Well, not, not only just abuse, but I I think the problem with it is the the desire or potential just to be physically and or mentally addicted after having major injuries in your life and then needing to continue the use, but then it's not as affected, so effective. So it's one of those things where your tolerance is built and the use has to keep going up, which is Definitely. horrible for the liver. And that's where like, whereas when, if you can tell me exactly what negative effects cannabis has on the body, that's where all that research needs to go. So people will, I mean, can truly be 
prescribed. Some people won't need any. They could be, they'll be able to do the full switch. Other people, like you said, will do the mix, but it'll be good to throw cannabis in that realm. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great if you could, you know, use a lot less OxyContin or something like that. But, yeah, I just think it does, you know, these things do get a bad rap, man. There are some really great medicines out there, and I know we all want to, you know, scream magic weed, magic weed, but... You know, it's it's great in, in conjunction with some legitimate medical treatments, I think, at least for some really sick people. Magic weed. I love it, man. I had some guy screaming. He goes, yeah, all you talk about magic microbes, magic microbes. I was like, well, kind of, you know. I think life is magical, man, and microbes are your soil life. You know, there is some magic in those. Oh, that's so sweet. All right, next news story. <laughs> this is like a... Uh... Or like a reminder. This one's called Milford Police Dog Finds Man with... Hold on. Milford Police Dog Finds Man with 33000 in marijuana. So how did this... Does that this mean? Man, uh, it, it equated to 6000 a pound for what they found. 6000 a um, pound? 6000 a pound. What, do they have a fucking time machine, man? You bring me to New York in 1994 or what? I think that's what they did to get the price on it for sure. Huh. Um they were working in an area where there was trafficking activity, and they found uh, this guy. And then, where at his other location, of course, he had a nine millimeter firearm loaded with ammunition. And they used the wording also: this guy was charged with possession of marijuana with intent to sell. Um, that dog and also like just a narc, pos- man. Plain, yes, it's a narc dog. Plain like possession mustache. of marijuana. That dog has a cop mustache, man. What's up with that? He had possession of marijuana within fifteen hundred feet of his school. And I've never heard this one. Charged with operating a drug factory. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I have heard of that one. That usually has to do with, I don't know. What, what do you think? You think that's grow equipment there, or you think that's like uh, extraction equipment? I have no idea, but it, it was a drug factory. Wow. Makes me man. think like there's workers and shit, and they got to be naked so they can't take shit or something. That's hot, man. I like that. Little, little New Jack City in there, man. I like that. And possession of a firearm so the reminders here are a few if you're not in a friendly state or even if you are don't i mean i own a 22 rifle i don't keep it on the property just because that does not go with federal law there are like statutes there and shit you know if you have guns i don't even care if it's a bb gun i've heard that people can be fucked with and you're growing you're you're and you have trouble you're gonna have double trouble so yeah the, keep that shit separate that's the shit um, that makes it, the lawyers be like ah they just shake their head man you know i got caught with eight pounds of weed all right no problem man and a gun Huh. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. Picture like you're saying, even if you're just the judge sitting there, let's say you didn't listen to half the case. You're having a bad day. You're thinking about a fight you got in with your wife. And then the end of the, the end of the trial, you're like, hmm, whatever. Fuck it. This guy was growing by a school. He had a gun and weed. Eh, I'm just, you know what I mean? You're already, you're already lost. Here, here's what so, I'm thinking. You got, you got You're sitting there as the judge and you're like, this guy had 25 pounds of weed, man. And he was definitely selling it, man. He was selling it even to school kids. And you're like, all right, man. You know, this guy definitely believes in selling weed. And he definitely, I, I see where, his, you know, that he doesn't have any problem with selling weed even to kids. All right, that's a problem. But when you add a gun into it, then you're saying this guy sells weed, you know, whatever. Even take away the kids. You know, he sells weed and he's willing to shoot somebody over it. Well, that makes a big fucking difference on who you are. You know, if you're willing to shoot somebody over your weed, uh, you're no different than a Coke dealer then. Yeah, so the great thing I just about, pulled that story because I want to give people some reminders. Yeah, by the way, the great thing about weed is it ain't that expensive. You know what I mean? Somebody rips you off for a pound or something like that for a couple grand. 
hey, you can walk away from it. You're going to kill somebody over a grand. You're going to, you're going to, you know, make a mess of your life for a couple grand. No, you walk away. Most of the time, you know, you end up working it out and the folks pay you back or something like that. You know, life is long. But that, that ain't, you know, you know what else? But that, that just ain't, ain't that expensive. I'm just saying that just ain't the way it works. And, you know, you go down to South Florida with cocaine. You rip somebody off for a $22,000 kilo of cocaine. Either they're killing you or somebody's killing them. I mean, it's pretty, that's why it's so fucking violent, man. And that's why the drug trade is traditionally so violent. And that's why weed is totally different. It really has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I, I, I like that as far as uh, keeping it keeping it uh, simmered down. I wanted to chime in because you said it's the inexpensiveness, um, which still isn't that inexpensive. The price is always going down for recreational use stuff. It just makes it all the more enjoyable. I mean, I, I actually did... Uh, mm, I won't go there, actually. I won't go there. I'm going to hold that story private for a minute while I think about it. But, but I'll go to the next news story. But the point is, man, you get ripped off for five or six grand of, of your weed, okay? You're pissed. I mean, you might, it's borderline pissed off enough to do something to somebody, but you might get in a fight with them or something. I don't know. You're not going to go freaking go get a gun and shoot somebody over that money, you know? You get to the point where you owe 25, 45 grand for a couple keys. Uh, you better get that money back, man, or somebody's coming after you violently. No? I don't know. I've heard that. I see the headlines in South Florida about it, man. There's, you know, you fucking, I know what a Colombian necktie is, man. Come on, don't you have a sound clip to throw into this? Like something that would pertain to the conversation of slinging keys this and shit? This aggression will not stand, man. <laughs> there you go, man. All right. I'm just saying, man, it pisses me off that we are uh, grouped into this whole fucking drug dealer culture, man. Nobody shoots each other over weed. I agree. Let me go to the next story. And let me chime in on the next. I got distracted there for a minute because I was trying to load the next story. There's too many fucking add-ons. If anybody out there is in charge of Internet add-ons, man, like loading news stories are the absolute worst. I guess I need to go into my browser settings and I kill add-ons or something. But it's like a a pop-up comes. I got to close that. And then I load the page and two different windows come up with videos going on. And then there's some other shit on this side and tabs on either side that have nothing to do with what I'm trying to get to. It's very annoying, Internet. It's the one flaw of the Internet, man is they can't really figure out how to monetize it yet. You know, as far as they, they know to deliver free information, you know, like these news stories gets a whole bunch of, of eyes and traffic to their websites, but they just can't figure out how to make some goddamn money off it without annoying the hell out of us, man. So, All right, so the story is Minnesota mom fights charge she endangered her son with medical marijuana. So this mom um, was giving her son some oil, uh, I think she obtained that legally in Colorado, uh, and she accused uh, she's accused of two gross misdemeanor counts of child endangerment for giving cannabis oil to Trey, who suffers from seizures and agonizing pain from a head injury. Hail seizures. So, what's that? <laughs> Nothing. Go. Did I not say seizures? She. she <laughs> All right, I have, first off, we got to real quick clarify for the people that haven't caught it. I do have a tooth out in the front, which makes, yes, seizures, or <laughs> I'm talking Caesar salad, all right? It go. makes some things tough, so just enjoy it. I just had to give that disclaimer. Okay, I'll have man. another tooth here soon enough. Folks all judged right. you a long so, time ago, bro. They all like you. Don't worry about it. Um, Brown, the mother, 38-year-old mother, in quotes, I didn't harm my child. 
And basically she's like, can't believe, you know, I don't want any mother to have to go through this. She's out in the, the media in Minnesota and the press, you know, so there's a big showing in court too of some porters that have some have driven from out of state and uh, the court didn't take action yet. I'd have to check it soon, but her son was in the, her son's 15 and he was in the courtroom as well. And this just kind of like in the end of it and in, in, infuriated me for a minute because it's like, who the fuck is some judge to tell me what I can give my kid that comes from mother nature to help with seizures like are you kidding me it's like it's, as i used the word before and other things it's so draconian it's it i would be so pissed it would be i'd be hard for me to contain myself if i was the parent in that courtroom you know i mean and they're trying to say she did child endangerment but yet she can go pay any doctor to give him other shit that could potentially kill him if he takes too much or that is you know it, yeah but it's, insa- it's insanity to me agreed man agreed but you know as much as i hate to say it you know if you're in a place that doesn't think like you do you know i was in florida and they didn't think like i did man they were calling me a criminal because i like to smoke a joint well i fucking left i could not stay in a place that that called me a criminal for doing things that i thought were right so i mean it's kind of the same thing i, I understand that you don't always have the money to just pick up and leave and move to a different state, but I'll be damned if, if they were trying to do this shit and my kid was really sick and I could use cannabis in Colorado legally and not be called a fucking criminal and a child abuser, I'd be out of there so goddamn fast. Yeah, it's just like this attorney. She's got an attorney helping her from Oregon. You know, uh, I don't have his name here, but that's fucking awesome. Hopefully he's doing some pro bono there. Yeah, I said he volunteered to defend Brown. In the statue, he said that they're using, the statue is meant to protect children found in meth houses, not a child swallowing drops of cannabis oil to help with seizures. And this, the seizure pain he had suffered since being hit by a line drive baseball three years ago. Yowzy. So, yeah, pretty, uh, yeah, I, good luck. I'm going to check on that case. Best of luck to that mother because I'd be hard to contain when I have some dipshit judge or whoever being like, yeah, you endangered your child by giving them cannabis oil. Yeah. An idiot. Should have just. Anyway. Yep. Agreed, man. Agreed. All right. Last story before we get into, uh. Real quick break and all bunch of the rest of the show grow talk grow talk yeah so we're just gonna I just knew to cover a little bit of a little bit of Tommy Chong I mean you were talking <laughs> ass wipes and I don't you know I don't mind Tommy at all he, no Tommy's a cool the, guy man Tommy has been a cool guy for his entire life man so I got no problem with Tommy Chong man but I don't he's creating well these are smoke wipes which instantly rids clothes of hair and smoky smells which is kind of that product sounds weird to me. <laughs> Like, oh, I smell like weed and I have hair all over me. Give me these smoke wipes from Tommy Chong. You know, like, how would you make that commercial? I don't know. This is how I envision it, man. You know, Tommy Chong's in his in his room doing yoga somewhere, and he gets a call from his son. Hey, Dad, man, did you look at those can of wipe things I want you to sponsor? Uh, no, man. You know, I'm kind of doing whatever right now, man. Oh, it's really good, <laughs> man. It's really good. We can really do awesome with this, Dad. Who the fuck knows? I mean, I think the same thing with, like, Bob Marley's weed and shit, you know? Like, it's all these people that really did great things for the community and and are legends. And then some freaking hangers-on or, I don't know, their family members or what showing up being like, Hey, I I need to make some money off this, too. You mind if I use your good name? Fucking sucks, man. Yeah. What do you think about the Chong Star? I mean, if I... I, I mean, that's the same thing. He's putting, you know, it's probably uh, working with a breeder. Um, I forgot. I thought it might have been uh, Kyle Cushman in on. I have no idea. I'm just starting rumors now. But regardless, 
if you're Tommy Chong, you're an icon in this world, and somebody approaches you and is like, man, try this out, and he really liked it. It was great, Herb, I love it. And then he's like, sweet, we want to private brand this for you. I mean, is that wrong? Okay, so he's saying, hey, man, we, we, you know, we didn't, you didn't do anything to make this weed. You haven't been involved till the point where we totally created it, brought it to your front door and told you to smoke it, and now we want you to put your name on it, man. Yeah, there is something wrong about that, man. I fucking... In- I agree. It should be like the name of the person that spent all the time and effort and love with the plant. Yeah, damn deciding straight. Deciding what's man. going on. Not just saying, oh, hey, you know what we can also do that'll really make this thing pop a couple a couple more market points is we'll get a celeb endorsement. Hey, how about Kim Kardashian weed? Paris Hilton weed, man, you know? Fuck that, Yeah, man. I... <laughs> Let me do a, a couple quotes here. I did like some of your philosophy, Scotty. Uh, in, in quoting Tommy Chong, he says... I consider all pot to be medicinal, Chong says. Damn straight, he's not man. Just talk, he's not just talking about how pot has helped people throughout history with a myriad of afflictions from glaucoma to mental illness to body pains. Its recreational value also provides a medicinal value because recreation is a medical term. So according to Chong, all people need recreation to balance out their work lives. Yeah. Recreation comes in many forms, right? Vacations, physical activity, going to bars, and yes, even smoking weed. Tommy says so, what we're really, all thinking. That's actually brilliant, and I really appreciate what he said there, man. That's exactly how it needs to be said. Yeah, and his last, his last sentence is, uh, recreation is a medicinal necessity to life, and marijuana is just part of that cure for those who may want it. So yeah, I dig, I dig on that too. I wanted to pull out that quote for... All right, so you know Fucking what? A. Yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe if he's going to be a, a really great spokesman like that, and maybe I got no problem with him, him attaching himself to something, man. I just wish, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm saying, if he's going to, really, that is a brilliant statement, and if he's out there with a, a good quality weed and he's making statements like that, then I, I think you got to support him, man. That's a smart That's a, a smart way of putting things, man. Word, well, let's take a quick break, come back with Grow Talk and what's going on in our grows. And uh, drop in science with Jacob. I don't know. Should we go? Uh, should we go to drop in science now or grow talk? You call it. You call it, man. I'll let you produce this segment of the show. Let's drop some science, man. I'm- All right, cool guys. We're gonna kick on over to Jacob from Grow More. Uh, drop in science on uh, some of his products. A little bit of industry talk, and it's just it, it feels to me like I was basically in either a, probably a soil biology class crossed with like cool grower breaking everything down so enjoy here's jacob from grow more we'll be back with grow talk after that yeah man all right Reminds me of a skunk. He was smoking Indo. 
she was smoking out. And if there's brown weed in they blunt, we must be in the drought. Cause only the highest grade we blaze. Got enough weed to last for days. And whatever was in that back, what got my mind in the purple haze. What's in that weed we smoking? guys we're back we're back to drop some science here uh we got jacob from Growmore. how you doing jacob hey i'm doing pretty well guys how are you all right excellent excellent what are we gonna what, what kind of science are we gonna drop today well i'm thinking due to the popularity and effectiveness of recharge um kind of get into a little bit of the science behind beneficial bacteria and fungi how those microbes work in conjunction with uh, you know pathogen control and prevention and maybe throw in a little bit uh, of science and how those beneficials interact with some of the other liquids that uh, you guys use and other products that are out there in the market I love it because I mean I know that these beneficials work I you know I can't really understand or completely comprehend the deep science of, of what they're actually doing inside the soil but I'll be damned if I know they work man so well, I mean, it's an extremely complex subject, just beneficial microbe science in general. Yeah, that's why and I try I not I'll... to pretend that I understand it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, a lot of times I think the oversimplification of it with those in the hydro industry actually gets to the bare bones of what's really important about it. And understanding the complex matter isn't really great, but uh, um, if you can understand different growing methodologies with beneficial microbes and where you know, pH, uh, nutrient levels, bioavailability of nutrients are totally different um, across different soils and how the microbes actually hone them in and create an environment that brings them in, an, in, in a value uh, that's consistent is, is really what's important, you know? Yeah, I mean, I am, I mean, I've always heard the rap on microbes for years and years back is, oh, they don't play well with chemical fertilizers. As soon as you put salt on, they, they kill the microbes or at least make them dormant. Let's start. Let's Scotty start there. You're a fan of trichoderma too, so I'd like to hear about some, yeah, some stuff on trichoderma because we oh, definitely yeah. have trichoderma and recharge, and I, I'm a fan too, but I'd like to know more about it. Uh, and the favorite thing on trichoderma is to have people, you know, that you know that really just go to the the forums say, oh, trichoderma and mycorrhizae, man, they outcompete each other, man. You can't use trichoderma; it's no good. Elaine Ingham says so, man. <laughs> I mean. There's some truth to some arguments when you talk about microbial populations and who's trying to dominate one over the other. But typically, right. you find beneficial, you know, bacillus bacterial strains, spores will will overtake. And it's not that they overtake anything. It's just how fast do they reproduce and colonate uh, environment. And unfortunately, what we've found um, through a lot of research is, is that the beneficial bacteria bacillus-based products end up uh, uh, outcompete some of the other fungal spore um, uh, re reproduction and population growth um, faster. And so a lot of times they're not necessarily taking them out. They're just colonizing at such a fast rate and in, in such a greater volume that sometimes the trichoderma kind of get, um, you know, set aside, which is why I'll always say using trichoderma uh, mycorrhizal-based inoculants 
initially when they can colonize and grow on the roots as they develop uh, is the most efficient application of it. And then later on inoculating with uh, bacteria. So I won't name any names for companies out there um, specifically, but there are some products, beneficial microbes that combine both the bacillus and the uh, fungal spores. And again, to each his own, it's going to make, it's, it's better than not using it. However, the way that you have it going on with the recharge, separating the trichoderma with the mycorrhiza together and initially inoculating with that, bring in the bacillus later and then it's, it's more, but we can get a little bit more into how trichoderma um, is a free living fungi and, and how they kind of work in the root zone. And again, you know, Pythium, Phytophthora, all these root mold um, fungal pathogens are in the root disease are, are almost not necessarily alleviated, but they're under control much more when using these microbes. So. Yeah, I, I just I'd say it's like the no vacancy sign is hung out. You know, there's just no room for them to get started, man. Where's your soundboard, Scotty? Come on, we gotta we gotta hit up some drop in science here. Do you have that going Look, yet? This is a very <laughs> serious conversation here. Anytime I hang with Jake, I, I gotta do what I can. I don't even smoke bong hits beforehand, man. I gotta, oh man. I, I gotta do what I can to hang on here and understand, man. Because right. homie drops the science and talks in a language that uh I, I get one out of every four or five words, man. You know, it's, it's, it's about to be one it's gonna be one twenty in about four minutes, so it will be four twenty somewhere. <laughs> Damn so, straight, man. All right. Four minutes, people. Hey, if you hear bubbling going on in the background, uh, I, I plead the fifth, man. <laughs> All right, man. So I, I'd like to just let you talk if I could, Jake, man. It seems like you've definitely got a, you know, a firm understanding and an opinion on on uh, adding, you know, the beneficials uh, with, you know, I mean, what you're doing, you're, you're, you're doing a synthetic nutrient over there. So I'd love to hear your take on on how they work together. Well, you know, at Growmore too, you know, we, we, we do incorporate some of our liquid line, like the Avalanche that you promote and the Jumpstart. They're sure. synthetic and organic blend, they're blends in my mind. And essentially, we're trying to put back, and this leads into the beneficials, into a more inert, soilless media. We'll just use cocoa to get an environment that is more recreated that would be a nature found, right? Sure. So essentially, you know, you want to include some organics and some synthetics. Uh, some people can go all organic. It's more for a reason for their philosophy, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some people just have uh, uh, certain genetics that respond better to different sorts of feeds, and, and I get that. So whether or not that's right or wrong, we're going to get into another conversation about organics and synthetics and heavy metal counts in another, uh, in another drop in science segment in a week or two. But I want to come back to um, essentially – uh, you know, the microbes and essentially how many, you know, biocontrol agents are going to perform when, when used effectively. So interject anytime you want, guys, and I'm just going to kind of ramble off and, and get some, some right. info out there. So Dropping signs like Galileo dropped an orange, man. Let's do it. <laughs> there you go. Soundboard on All the right. fly. Well, you know, what's obviously really clear about beneficial microbes, you, you talk in, 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 in ag and in agronomy, botanists will say that obviously the use of beneficial microbes are main control, bacillus thuringiensis, you know, BT, been used for years in controlling pathogens, right? They want to get rid of pythium, they want to get rid of phytophthora, they want to get rid of fusarium, um, and these are all root diseases. So, I'd say, again, getting back to what you said, with, when used in combination with uh, the recharge and, and, and a carbohydrate-based source like a kelp, you know, they got really, really white, healthy roots. Well, of course they are because they're eradicating and helping to control all those, you know, um, the, the pathogen controls. 
So uh, beyond just controlling those pathogens, the use of beneficial microbes um, also enhances yields through hormone stimulation, enzyme production, and other mechanisms. You know, um, the same can't be said if you're using sterilization methods such as uh, the hydrogen peroxide or the oxygen rush or other products relating to that. Right. Uh, anyone using UV light cleaners for their water, you know, they're killing all these things. Yeah, so, that's a totally different philosophy, man. Old school, man. Old school. So, I mean, it's generally agreed that, uh, you know, these, these inoculants control diseases more stably under better controllable conditions than in the open field, which is why it's so hard to recreate an environment in an, a 2,000-acre plot using beneficial microbes than it is in an indoor garden or a greenhouse setup or somewhere where you have uh, much more control. And again, we obviously have to look at the life cycle of the plants most of your you know, growers are growing, and these being a very short life cycle annual need to get all the help they can get. Um, yes, especially when we're pushing the life cycle that's normally nine months outside into three months inside. You know, so we're talking about a, a 30% length of time for that the plant really wants to grow. So again, getting back to it needs a lot of help. Um, so the, the hydroponic systems are going to offer a real unique environment for controlling pathogens since a lot of these, these, these things can be managed um, to favor these friendly microorganisms over these pathogenic ones. And that's so just, to, just to clarify real quick, you, you said hydroponic, and I'm thinking yeah. you're including cocoa in there, right? Yeah, you know, that's kind of the term I think that gets thrown around a little too loosely, and I've, I've fallen into that trap, and you just caught me right there. You know, anytime I use the word hydroponic um, in the industry, most people want to include soilless medias, even when you're using uh, gravel or hydrogen, um, ebb and flow systems, or just a drip system in a Beto bucket. Right. Uh, you know, straight perlite, a lot of guys are doing, um, but including cocoa with the soilless media. So, again, hydroponics working with water. Um, most growers that are growing outside, a lot of them use a sunshine number four mix or a sure. peat based mix. I mean, these are all not, this is, these aren't soil, you know? So it's hard to say, oh, I'm growing this, you know, soil growing. And again, this is beneficial across the board um, of, uh, of, of all different kinds of medias. So again, using hydroponics in the term of, of, you know, growing Jamaican tomatoes is just easier when you deal with the ag industry that, uh, you know, kind of doesn't understand it. So all right. Again. Okay. But, uh, so we're talking when we talk hydroponics. So we say hydroponics slash soilless. We can assume that in our heads. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Anytime I say the word hydroponic, you, I'm just using that for specific content regarding soilless media, even including soil at this point. But a lot of guys, like I said, aren't using just, you know, uh, an ocean forest or and anything. Uh, uh, you know, they're they're mixing it up. Whether they're using pro mix or or sunshine number four again, these aren't really soils. I still consider it more of a hydroponic media because of its water retention, aeration right. capacity, and again. We're putting them in containers, and it's not natural open soil in ground, you know. So yeah. very few people are planting in the ground and growing in soil. So I would say yeah. even any kind of container gardening, it falls into this hydroponic because we're controlling the feed and we're controlling what's happening within this five-gallon container, right? Absolutely. Um, oh, so, are you taking a smoke break, Scotty, real quick? You I sounded noticed, short of breath there. I just noticed it was – no, I'm sorry. That was the soundboard. I got the okay. soundboard going. Cool, cool. All right, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't really want to get too deep into them again, but we talk about, um, you know, pythium, 
Uh, again, it's a generic name for describing a large number of these water molds and damping off fungi, right? So pythium and, and these fungal spores you get a lot initially when you transplant, um, not so much towards uh, you know the very end of your life cycle. But these are the things that the, the pythium to us looks like. You go in one day and one of your plants looks like crap. You come back the next day and it's dead. Come back the next day if you're in like a deep water culture, any kind of recirculating system, and your whole crop is gone. Just everything's dead. That's how fast something like pythium you know, wipes out a crop. So to have an insurance policy or to make sure you don't have it is absolutely, you know, just absolutely imperative. Yeah, pythium, that's great. Crop failure is number one thing I hear from a lot of guys in Colorado that I consult with doing large commercial grows. And essentially a lot of that has to do with these pathogenic fungal spores and not necessarily pythium as much, maybe as phytophthora. Uh, that's a real aggressive plant pathogen. Pythium, when I use the word pythium, I'm kind of describing uh, – they're I'll describe many rhizosphere pathogens, which is like root root you know pathogens as pythiums. So um, it's a little bit easier for me instead of saying you know Fusarium oxysporum, you just say Fusarium, you know, because these sure. are all the genus and species of of different things. These are all just basic genus stuff. Sure. Uh, I fought that Fusarium out in, out of my palm tree and bamboo farm, man. That's oh right. A bitch. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a common soil fungus, and it can become a, a, a pathogen and cause of a wide variety of these wilt diseases, you know, so you call them fusarium wilts. So that's the thing. You're like, what the hell is wrong with my plant? It's just like, it, I've watered it yesterday. It looks like it's completely, you know, devoid of all this water. So you get wilting, you get yellowing of leaves, chlorosis, you get premature leaf drop, uh, stunting, damping off, and this all happens pretty quick. But again, yeah. it happens really fast. And these are all things that recharge beneficials in, in combination with other um, um, inoculants are going to help avoid. Yeah, right? Phytophthora so, is like the Ebola of plants, man. Dude, literally meaning plant destroyer, literally. Wow. Yeah. And I never see, when I used to run um, water farms and deep water culture and systems that I ran more sterile than not, um, I would have that sometimes, like Scotty was saying. I Like all of a sudden I'd go in and then, bam, the next light cycle, like three plants are just totally dead. And it's like, how does mm -hmm. that happen so quick? Something viral, usually, that I could not put my finger on in the system or the water. Bacterial, um, man. I never see it, though, in my soil, soilless mixes, my container gardening. And, I mean, that's, I'm assuming wise, because I'm always inoculating now. I'm always using as much, you know, soil, beneficial bacteria, microbes I can. So, it's like you said, the no vacancy signs up. So, I could point my finger at it more. You could also see your roots really well in hydro systems. Mm -hmm. you just look at them and know it's kind of hard sometimes and. uh your soilless mixes, but yeah, I definitely think that was part of the issue in the sense there's nothing. When something bad shows up, it parties. Oh man! You know that's a great the, the good point you just made. It's like trying to go you know sterilization argument. You know I uh, I was just spent some time in a hospital and you see how much a hospital tries to contain and make an environment very sterile, but that's not even 100% foolproof all the time either. So you know it's almost better to in an environment where you know. You know, there's all these spores blowing around. You're breathing them in and out. Uh, it's impossible to avoid it. And so trying to create an media and an environment that's completely sterile is, uh, I'll just say it, it's idiotic because it's never attainable. There's always going to be something. So instead of, like you said, you know, trying to shut the party down, there's always going to be that last guy that's like, no, I'm going to stick around. I'm not leaving yet. You <laughs> know what? Keep that party going till friggin' 24-7. You know what I'm saying? Just invite as many beneficials as you can to it. Right. And then you don't have to worry about it because trying to get rid of everybody at the end of the day it's, it's almost an impossible task yeah my cousin's coming in an hour homie yeah <laughs> <man>. <laughs> all right man keep it on man come on 
So, um, okay, obviously we just talked a little bit about water molds. Uh, we talked about some soil funguses, the fusarium you had with the, you know, uh, your, your bamboo trees. Sure. Um, you know, Pythium is the most common root disease found in hydroponics. Um, they attack the root system and severely limit the plant's ability to uptake nutrients or any kind of food, which ultimately means unhealthy crop and a low yield. Not good when you are, you know, growing. So usually you see a brown root system, that's how you notice it. Their roots aren't very healthy and white. Um, musty smell as the root system kind of decays. Now there's normal die-off for roots that are close to what we call the drip zone right around the base where the root, uh, after let's say your rock wool cube, you transplant into a cocoa um, container and you kind of see the roots. The roots are going to die off and the root tips at the bottom of your pot um, are going to obviously be where they're, they're picking up and feeding. So normal breaking down of roots as the plant ages and progresses is normal. What you don't want to see is, uh, you know, that happening immediately right away. So, um, you know, again, if your crop's healthy and you're inoculating a lot, the pythium and these fungal spores have a harder time latching on. Uh, you know, they take hold of the weak stress crop much more easily, just like humans. When you have an infant and elderly people, they're much more susceptible to the flu virus because their bodies can't kind of fight it off. So again, if you are starting with a healthy crop and you're, you know, of of, of good health and, and taking your supplements and, and not putting yourself in that kind of an arena, you know, you're, you're much easier to fight that off. Um, yeah, it sure does yeah, make you, sense, man. Yeah, you but, see it everywhere um, in nature. You just look at nature. I mean, it's how it, how it works, the, the survival of the fittest, and when something bad comes, you should be healthy to handle it. So. Mm-hmm. So again, pythium are water molds. So untreated water, this is for growers that are maybe doing depot scenes or that are just like, you know, finding their stream or dam water and um, sometimes even like well water. Um, they're high-risk products because of these water molds in it. So if you're going to use that, you've got to sterilize it prior to use. And um, again, rainwater too should really be treated because of the likelihood of it collecting like windblown soil and all these contaminants, again, that are blowing all the way around. So... How do we control these things? The few main strategies are just increasing uh, the level by addition of these antagonistic microorganisms. And again, these are the fighters of them that we're talking about, um, using a mix of these microorganisms that uh, that kind of complement what media you're using. And then again, amending the substrates and nutrient to, to favor the development of these. So because we talk again about controlling the environment and having a unique situation where we can have more control over the pathogens since these things can be, can be managed more easily. Um, we're, we're going to be able to prevent all that harmful, that harmful damage to the crop. So, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll talk about it real quick. So competition for nutrients, people say, Oh, don't use that because these certain nutrients are killing off. Uh, you know, your beneficials, it's not helping. Yeah, I always hear that, man. Well, you know, um, I always hear salt, for... salt kills, you know. I always hear salt kills. Uh, I mean, certainly, it, it. anyway, I'll let you go. Well, no, I mean, it's like that argument. I was just talking to someone today that did an organic farm and a community supported ag, a CSA. And it's almost like, you know, the monopotassium phosphate that people are saying is a synthetic salt nutrient is all mined from the ground. And at the end of the day, we'll just use nitrogen. If you're using blood meal and the microorganisms and the over time is being broken down, that element of N uh, that's being taken up into the root is the same element of N nit- that the nitrates converted into the ground when you water with it that's being taken up by the plant. So the root zone doesn't recognize whether something's organic and synthetic, which we'll, you know, talk about in another conversation. Right. But, um, 
you know, the salt isn't necessarily killing them either. Uh, you know, just the concentration of EC, electrical conductivity, being so high, it's just the frequency that they're not really feeling. Um, but, again, these microorganisms are sharing the same uh, space uh, and ecological niche and having the same physiological requirements and resources are limited. So they got to feed just like anything else, which is why carbohydrates are so important to them. Now, assuming your root zone is trying to take up these carbohydrates, well, again, your microorganisms also want to take up and feed off these carbohydrates. Um, so again, talking about organic, which is the base of everything, is just carbon. So competition for the nutrients, especially for carbon, is common in all you know in in the soils and other media, right. and uh, really inhibits the fungal spore germination when there's a lot of competition going on. So you know, competition for nutrients is one of the many modes of action of these many beneficial microbes. Um, so. We talk about. Uh, I'm just trying to think where to go from here, really. Well, I can um, tell you what. What about? I mean, in a nutshell, I don't know if you answered it fully directly, but so is it worth it? Um, I mean, I'm gonna say I would think yes when you're using whatever new chemical two part out there, using uh, GHS three part or whatever to spend. You know, more three part. Come grow on, more man. three part, dude. Hey, hey you got to yeah. send us some of that. We got a bunch of people that want to try that grow more three part, man. So I would definitely. Oh, okay, yeah, it works. I'll get I'll get you some of that. But I'm sorry, dude. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, just I mean, is it still totally worth? using uh, beneficial inoculants when you're in everything else, let's say in your regimen, when you use a bloom booster, a high phosphorus bloom booster, you use chemical-based nutrients, you use chemical additives, uh, is it still worth your money to be inoculating with beneficial microbes? All right, well, you know, because not everybody out there uses grow more nutrients, and I can't really attest to the, we're going to talk a little bit about the, you bring up a great point. So uh, there's a bunch of different phosphorus sources, right? There's... Um, yeah you know, uh, aluminum phosphate, um, phosphates that are uh, non-available, non-bioavailable phosphates um, in an organic, in, in, and in organic form. Um, and essentially, depending on what the fertilizer you're using may have some of these really uh, poorly soluble phosphorus sources. Um, so another really key function of these fungal spores is they increase the uptake of this poorly soluble pea sources, right? So um, the fungal spore is going to colonize the root cortex of this plant, and then the fungi are able to acquire this organic carbon as food to build the infrastructure for the phosphorus uptake and then transporting it into the plant, right? And so the mycorrhizal system is able to take up that phosphorus more efficiently and transport it over longer distances than the plant root system, overcoming the phosphorus depletion in soil. So are those reasons why, is it safe to say, I always tell people if you're inoculating, uh, you can get away with, not a lot, and you got to see how hungry your plant is. But I feel like I use less nutrient with a, a inoculated soil because more of it's becoming available to the plant through all the work that's going on. I mean, is that kind of correct Big, in a that, nutshell? That, that's very that's that's very correct in a nutshell. And then we talked a little bit about pea. I'll touch on it again. Why also you got to watch it with a. Uh, with nitrogen because the fungal spores also acquire a substantial quantity of nitrogen from organic sources and play a real important role in the nitrogen cycle. So, you know, um, the, the inorganic nitrogen that's released from 
you know, decomposing organic matter before the root's going to acquire it, right. pass some of this onto the plants as uh, amino acid arginine, right? And additionally, um, ammonium nitrate. There's a, a plant ammonium transporter that is mycorrhizal specific and preferentially activated um, in cells has been discovered. So, you know, they're, they're finding now that the nitrogen transfer to the plant in this way is operating in a similar manner to the phosphorus uh, transfer. So when you talk about it this way, shit, the uh, fungi sounds pretty impressive. So, you know, this is all good. You can pull back. Again, the benefits of the fungi are greatest in systems where the inputs of phosphorus are low. Right. So heavy usage of phosphorus can inhibit the colonization and growth of it. And as the soil phosphorus levels, you know, available to the plant increases, the amount of phosphorus also increases in the plant tissues and the carbon drain on the plant by the fungi symbiosis becomes non-beneficial to the plant. So again, with that being said, we obviously just talked about not having to use as much phosphorus and nitrogen because the plant's taking up more of it, which is totally true. Of course, when you get later on and you're using these bloom boosters like a 050-30, like a Hula Bloom, you're using a Cool Bloom, you're using a, a Beastie Bloom, you're using right. a Moab, anything like that, of course it's going to inhibit that mycorrhizal colonization and growth, which is why, again, transplanting, inoculating your plants very early on and veg through like week four or five is really important before those heavy blasts of phosphorus come in. Because once once the uh, mycorrhizal spores made root zone contact, it's being carried into that super highway of the plant and it's dragging along with it. Um, again, the phosphorus can just inhibit the growth. It doesn't stop the growth. It just, uh, you know, it doesn't make it around, make it as great and, and as easy to colonize. Right. Well, at that point in your plant's life cycle, it's already done its job. It's already inoculated. It's already colonized as much as it can. So it doesn't necessarily matter as much. Um, yep. Let that micro grow along with your root systems. Get it on where your roots are small. It's got a little bit of a, a surface area to cover and then you, it inoculates. And as your roots grow, that micro's growing right on in with it, man. And I definitely think in, in, in hydroponics and, you know, Jamaican tomato growing, as they call it, in general, there's, in the industry, there's an overabundance played and, and an overimportance played on the pea element. You know, I feel like potassium later on in flowering is much more beneficial to overall yield and flower quality than phosphorus is. But it's just this this mindset in the industry, like, oh, I've got to use a 0 50 or I need like a, you know, a one eight five liquid mid-stage bloom stimulant, or I need a 0 10, 10 you know right. what I mean? So, sure. you know, that, that, that's just kind of what we deal with. And, you know, again, dealing with a lot of people in ag, you try to tell them, hey, you shouldn't be using X, Y, Z. Well, I'm going to use it because my daddy used it and my grandpa used it and just works for them and it works for me. <laughs> sure. Like, all right, that's good. So when you learn how to grow and you're, 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 you know, Don Juan the grower says, hey, this is your feed schedule, this is that, this, you know, and it works for you, most likely you're going to continue to use that and really not hear anything anyone else says because, yeah, you know, it works for me. Well, again, with the price of produce going down and the, you know, ability to uh, compete, you know, you got to really pay attention to what your inputs are because of the costs. And uh, that that's kind of where, where a lot of people using mycorrhizal inoculants, uh, using uh, amino acid or certain chelates um, are going to help fulvic acids because you're not going to have to use as much nutrients either that's going to be available to the plant, right? Yeah, that's exactly how I learned these tricks, man, you know, with, with, the, with the recharges through my bamboo farm, man, through trying not to buy, you know, eight, nine pallets of fertilizer at a time, man. Now, what so about, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, please. I was what just going to say, the... yeah, okay, you go, Brett. So a base, a base nutrient. Um, I know you mentioned the three part. Now, does Grow More have anything else if you don't want to use a, like a more? That's just like a, you know, quality chemical based nutrient. I guess I'll categorize it as. Do you guys have any organic, organic synthetic mixes or any other base nutrients? 
Yeah, you know, we have a really great, and what a lot of guys in Colorado specifically that are having issues with buying all these liquids, but, you know, we're basically paying for, for water in a certain capacity. You know, certain things okay. have to be reacted with each other to be soluble, tested, and make sure that they're compatible. You know, I used to work on a hydroponic lettuce uh, facility and we had few stock tanks. So I was mixing calcium nitrate, you know, stock A and stock B tank, and then an acidifying tank for, for the third tank. So, you know, I'm mixing all these raw salts, you know, calcium nitrate, potassium nitrate, magnesium sulfate, monopotassium, uh, mono, yeah, monopotassium phosphate, um, all these sorts of things, right? Well, trying to mix your own salts can get kind of tricky. And again, if you want to create a 0 10 10, um, maxi, not maxi plex, I can't think of what the name is. The Seagro, uh, dry organic? Seagrow is exactly what I was going to suggest. So, yes, essentially Seagrow is a synthetic organic blend, the organics okay. in it being the seaweed, the blood meal, all these things, and then having, uh, um, uh, you know, the synthetic base of it too. So we have per – it's perfect for veg and a bloom one. You got the triple 16, which is a 1-1-1 ratio of NPK, and then you got the 4-26-26, which is like a 1-5-5, which is very similar to the – uh, Luke, Lucas formula, I believe, is a one, two. There's not as much nitrogen in the other Seagrow 426-26, but most people who are using CalMags, you know, you got to remember that's a 2% calcium in most CalMag formulas. So you got um, two Seagrow two formulations? Two Seagrow formulations. One is like a veg slash transition, and then there's one that's like a bloom. So the 16-16-16 is mostly for veg, and people transition that to bloom. A lot of guys that use water solubles out there listening, they're like a triple 20, very similar to that same one 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 ratio right and then the four twenty six twenty six um you know is the is the is the bloom formula you're getting the extra p you're getting the extra k and there's still a little bit of nitrogen in there right how much uh how much solution can you like make do you know off the top of your head for example i'm seeing your guys like five pounder isn't much it looks like it's 18 bucks or something i'm just looking online here real quick how much right. solution does that make when you're watering and do you know that i'm kind of curious to get the value out of this because without yeah. the water, I'm sure it's damn economical is what I'm assuming. Very economical as a base nutrient. And a lot of people I talk to utilize more of their money for uh, amendments, additives, that want some more expensive additives. they got to pull back on some of their base costs. So that's what they're doing. Just to answer that question in two ways, one, you obviously want to target EC for your base nutrient whenever you're feeding. So a lot of people say you want 60% of your feed to be base. So if I want 1,000 PPMs, I want 600 PPMs in my base. Um Typically, they say you can put a pound in 100 gallons, which breaks down to being a teaspoon a gallon. That will raise your EC or your PPMs about 400 parts per million, right? Right. So if you look at it that way, a pound in 100 gallons, you're getting 500 gallons of solution out of your five-pound bag. Yeah, that's pretty pretty damn economical. Yeah. Right. Now, of I'll course, say. when you want to feed them a little bit heavier, you're going to increase that by maybe a teaspoon and a half. But again, it's going from 500, not half of it. It's going to be, uh, you know, maybe down to three 330 gallons once you like start to kick it up. And again, when you're in veg, you don't you know need as much either. You're using a lot less. So, you know, we typically say a 25 pound bag of it treats 2,500 gallons. But um, a lot of guys sometimes, too, depending on their media, will hit it intermittent feed. They'll just feed it a little bit heavier and then uh, just kind of let it work. Of course, you know, anybody that's doing peat or sunshine or cocoa mixes can kind of get away with it because those organic elements in Seagrow can break down much easier. But I got guys that grow in rock wool. I know one of your listeners pretty well that has talked to me a lot that uses rock wool, and he uses Seagrow as his base, you know, and he uses, I think, a quarter teaspoon initially or half a teaspoon per gallon i gotta look at his feed how it works exactly but then he kind of ramps it up from there as well and that's all he uses for base and in rock wool he says it's, it works he hasn't had anything work better 
Let me ask you a couple of quick, I don't know, I guess I'll call them industry questions if you don't want to answer. That's cool, whatever. As far as I'm assuming, Grow More is out in Cali. I mean, you guys are in Cali. You have probably more product there than anywhere else in the industry on a multitude of levels, you know, hydroponic, agriculture, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Don't see a lot of you in Colorado. I know your bottles, your quartz are more affordable than a lot of things out there. And I also heard through the grapevine that you guys even do some bottling or private labeling or whatever you want to call it for some other nutrient companies, uh, where that makes me feel like sometimes when you're buying the $39 bottle of whatever fulvic or something, you're pretty much paying for like the label artwork and the, you know, cause I see your guys fulvic's pretty damn affair, uh, affordable in comparison. Yeah. So, then- I'll, I'll answer, I'll answer that in a certain way without throwing anyone under the bus. Um, I don't know of any other nutrient manufacturer in the United States that formulates and bottles everything in, in, in-house, meaning that most other nutrient companies have to go to a third-party manufacturer, hence someone like Growmore, not saying we are or aren't, and buy 275-gallon totes that they re-bottle and do it. The reason why Growmore's products are so cheap is because we're limiting the supply chain. If you go and buy... Uh, a pound of produce from some a, a grower, you're going to obviously get the best price. As soon as that guy grabs it from the grower and has to go sell it to a distributor or someone else bigger, they're adding a point on that or yeah. however much they want to add to their, their, their produce, right? So Definitely. essentially it's the down the line. You're just getting taxed for these companies that are basically getting it from Growmore and a you know, not necessarily a company like Gromer. I just said that in jest, but you know, so yeah, that's the reason why the price is so cheap. People think, oh, well, it's got to be less quality. It's like, no, our supply chain is limited. When we buy a uh, uh, a rail car full of urea and monopotassium phosphate, uh, yeah, our pricing is going to be pretty good. And so when we make our product and sell to a distributor like Sunlight or Hydrofarm or BWGS, they're starting point for where they have to add their price to the dealer and then to the end user is just much less. So when they want a 35% margin and then they get a 50% margin that the dealer gets to the end user, of course, the discount wipes a lot of that out when you are an end user. But that's the reason why the products are so cheap, not because we use crappy raw materials, not because of anything else. And you said it, dude, these companies have a large marketing budget. They advertise heavily in maximum yield and a lot of other venues. They have a lot of money into their websites. They have a lot of sales reps across the country. That stuff all costs money. So, of course, they got to charge a premium and they got to get their margin. So, hence their products being more expensive. You know, what's inside the bottle and inside the bag normally isn't really that costly. It's just everything that goes on about it. And again, to survive in this in this industry and market, you know, businesses have to do that and get the margin they need to survive. At Growmore, our margin is what we need to get to, you know, survive. And we've been around for almost 100 years coming up in two more years, 100-year anniversary. So right. pretty sure we're not going anywhere either. You guys are getting some good rain out there right here. My parents live up in the Central Valley area, and it sounds like the whole state's going to get some action out there. Oh, we're getting dumped on tomorrow and next week. Yeah, you know, your parents being in the Central Valley, this drought's been exacerbated for hydroponic food production because, you know, I got guys that are growing almonds in the Central Valley where you get 4,000 pounds an acre compared to up in the Chico area by Sierra Nevada Brewery, best brewery out there, uh, you know, where they're getting 2,500 at most pounds an acre. The problem is they have no water in the Central Valley to actually feed these trees. So there's guys pulling up 
20-acre almond orchards that, you know, they're just literally pulling out of the ground, you know, millions of dollars. And it's just really unfortunate about how this drought's really uh, really affected, you know, nut prices and, and, and produce in general, which is why I think now, you know, I'm working with a hydroponic strawberry farm and a lettuce farm, and uh, uh, Howlings that does the hydroponics inside, there's, they started a 30-acre cocoa tomato um, greenhouse. So, I mean, there's been more you know, um, buzz around this hydroponic food production. And uh, I think that uh, until this mega drought that we're having in California kind of subsides, uh, you gotta, you got to look at it because 75% of the produce that's grown for the United States is, is done in, in California and Mexico, you know, Baja and, and the Sinaloa. Yeah. Region, so. I haven't stopped thinking about Sierra Nevada since you said it. So the, <laughs> there's, there's summer lagers, my summer beer. I like special order, like cases of their cans of that out here. I love it. Uh, yeah hopefully we can get go ahead no no i'm saying i i I, uh i have a few uh as they say up north of your parents in kern county they call them almonds and uh south they call them (laughs) almonds and i never understood that and then they said well you don't call salmon salmon and i said yeah but you don't call walnuts walnuts so you're not really making sense here but uh yeah so there's almonds in northern california and almonds in the central valley north of kern county um but again yeah you know back to your whole thing um, Growmart does have quality raw materials. We obviously have chemists that are on staff here. My office is right behind the lab. I can hear them coughing as we're doing the interview. Um, you know, we obviously manufacture and formulate everything here ourselves. Um, and you know, some companies will source raw materials and not, to give them credit, whoever does either blend for them or how they, they bottle, you know, may buy some raw materials from us, but that only goes to speak of, uh, the respect they have for Growmart as a manufacturer and obviously quality formulator, right? Yeah, Hell yeah. Uh, Cool, so man. again, at the end of the day, I think that uh, I think the industry will be changing somewhat, and the price on most things are going to have to come down just because of the uh, the end price of the goods. You know, there'll always be those little boutique brands, but um, I think the door is closing, if not closed, for any new formulators or manufacturers or or nutrient companies that want to come in and and get it. The 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 trend I see now more is is store owners want to make their own store label and brand so they can hold on to margin, and you know, if they want to buy a Calmag plus from Botanicare and they want to sell it for 40 bucks a gallon, they're going to buy it from a formulator like us or someone else and, and an ag formulator, get it for 10 and then Ooh. charge their customers 25 and, you know, hey, they're still making money instead of having to discount that CalMag plus, you know, 10 points over their cost. Do you think there's room cost. for like another, if we could do a Jude Grows three-part? Dude Bloom, man. Dude Bloom. Exactly. Love Word. It. But, uh, yeah, so I guess we're going off topic. I'm sorry. So, uh, you know, again, hydroponics in general and the fungi, obviously the research shows that the benefits are greatest, um, you know, where there's a little bit, not as much phosphorus. So again, inoculating early on is really important. Um, Trichoderma, man. I wanted to get you, get you change your tack to trichoderma because there's so much controversy about it. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sure because, uh, you know, there's big companies like BioWorks and whatnot that have, you know, made their living on trichoderma species, man. Um, in, in big ag, I'm saying. Trichoderma is very, very useful and specific strains of it are, are, are absolutely valuable, man. So what's up with it? So trichs. And I put in a new charge. Yeah, so um, 
because you already we, we talked about what specific you know trichoderma spores are in there, and I, I think trichodermic species in general. We'll just talk a little bit about them. You know, they're free living fungi that are real common in soil and root ecosystems. Again, hydroponics we're creating our own media. They're not common in these ecosystems that we're creating because we're playing you know master of the domain there. So this is all research based you know information that I get and base my my opinion on and so recent discoveries really show that they're opportunistic opportunistic plant you know symbionts as well as being parasites of other fungi um, for many years the ability of these these fungi to increase the rate of plant growth and development um, especially their ability to cause the production of more robust roots has really been known um, now the really the mechanisms for how these abilities come to to weight are really just being understood. So trike species, a high level of genetic diversity can produce a wide range of products um, in this commercial and uh, hydroponic application. So again, the species specific uh, are, are really important, but you know, they, they produce a lot of, uh, I can't think of the word, extra, no, it's extracellular proteins, right? And so they're best known to produce enzymes that degrade cellulose and, and chitin. And although they also produce other useful enzymes, but in addition, the different strains produce more than a hundred different metabolites that have known antibiotic activity. So they're really building up that, that, that defense system for, for, for pathogens and illness within your plants. Um, again, we talked about Pythium, Botrytis, uh, Fusarium, Phytophthora, um, the the few specific species that are in recharge, um, they are used as a biological control agent in, in ag and in nature against those pathogenic fungi I just talked about. Right. So um, putting the warriors in there. Absolutely. Yeah, like you know, and and I guess uh, certain strains of them are um, are highly you know rhizosphere competent. They're, they're they're able to colonize and grow on roots as they develop. You know. Um, and so they can really be added to soil or, or seeds even and soaked by, by a lot of different methods. So once they come in contact with the rhizosphere, which is why roots and application is so important, they colonize the roots. So if you use it as a seed treatment, like I, we have a wettable powder here. And uh, is the recharge a wettable powder or is it granular? No, wettable powder. Yeah, okay. It's a, it's a, it's a, so, soluble powder, I should say. Soluble. Yeah, yeah. Well, I call it a wettable powder because, uh, to be truth be told, it's not a hundred. It's not really a soluble. But again, this is just me being a nerd. So the wettable powder, if you're going to use it as a seed treatment, what happens is is they colonize root surfaces even when the roots are below the uh, casing of the seed. It's pretty crazy, right? Wow. Um, and they can colonize on the exterior of the shell when the root breaks through. It can um, it can just you know connect right on. Sure. Um, yeah, that's so, how these guys are getting such effective you know, when they use all these inoculants in big ag, for the most part, mm -hmm. from what I've seen, they inoculate the seeds and they, they do you know, tens and hundreds of thousands of seeds with a couple of pounds of these products, man. It's pretty amazing. But again, the trichoderma doesn't really have an effect or limited application in biocontrol of pathogenic bacteria. And a real quick explanation of that gets back to what I was saying about colonization is that bacteria generally have a faster growth rate and multiply faster than fungi. Right. So you can't the 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 bacteria the pathogenic bacteria is is, is out populating and out competing whatever the fungal can actually the, the you know the trichoderma can help can sure. help with. Um, so again, it's really important that understanding a broad spectrum approach to preventing these plant pathogens is supposed to be incorporated. And so both beneficial bacteria and fungi are likely ideal, but you know, um, you, you definitely want to uh, inoculate initially with fungi and then kind of back it up with bacteria. Um, it's just it's just really hard to uh, 
to, to say exactly when to start inoculating bacteria, but I think if you transplant with the recharge, you're using the treat recharge, you know, starting once you flip and go into flower, maybe starting week two, start inoculating with some of the bacillus spores if you want to do it then, and, and your rhizosphere should be inoculated well enough and colonized well enough with with your, uh, you know, trichoderma and your other beneficial fungal spores. And again, your phosphorus it. levels are low, so. Yeah, I, I use it as soon as I have roots. Yeah, me too, man. It blows up veg, you know, just big leaves, deep green, a lot of, what do they call nitrifying bacteria. Or, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, it delivers a lot of nitrogen. I don't know. I, I love it in veg. I, I cut it. I use it from probably, I don't know, rooted clone all the way to probably week five. I'll start cutting it out at week five. Same as me, man. Yeah. I figure if it's got the mycorrhizae in there, I might as well start using it once I see roots. So I like mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I got no I mean, problem. Uh, no, hit, it, hit it, Jake. No, so obviously the, the trichoderma is penetrating the cells of the root system, and it, it puts a response, triggers a response in the plant that walls off everything else. It like encloses the trichoderma in the cells and prevents it from getting any further into the living root tissue. And so when it triggers this response, the plant's natural defense mechanisms activated, and that's when the systemic resistance induced. And we talk about SAR all the time uh, as far as, you know, creating, uh, triggering the plant to put its defense factors, which increase, uh, you know, oil and resin producing glands and a lot of other um, symbiotic relationships. So, Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so although even though the trichoderma is gained early entry into the plant tissue, it doesn't cause any disease or damage because both the plant and the trich benefit from their symbiotic relationship. And, right. Uh, right. you know, the plant gets protection while the trich receives an ecological niche and food from the plant because, as we know, the root exudates, the sugars, the carbs, all the other things that are, are being shot out by the root system are obviously being fed simultaneous by the, by the trichs that are inside the root zone. So it's a real interesting, cool uh, you know, cool, cool shit. Yeah, definitely is, man. Like I said, I don't pretend to understand it. I just know what works. <laughs> well, uh, you know, obviously they, they, the trichoderma species are going to grow and proliferate best when there's abundant, healthy roots. So that's why it's important. People say, oh, I just inoc- I just transplant when I inoculate. I inoculate when I transplant, and then I just kind of let it go because it's, it's already attached to the root zone. Right. Well, obviously they've evolved, you know, numerous mechanisms to attack other fungi and enhancing plant regrowth. So why wouldn't you want to inoculate and create the most diverse microbial population you can in your root system? We have so much control in this environment, as we talked about earlier, control it even more, you know? Um, yeah, I don't think so, you can just inoculate once, man, and get real, real big benefit from it. Not with all the, the chemical fertilizer we're dumping on there, all the, all the high phosphorus and nitrogen. No way, man. Right. So I guess in, in hydroponic settings, the viability and benefits of the trike, um, you know, they're, the, 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 the trikes are some of the most effective beneficial microbes in hydroponic settings. So yeah, um, I, agree. I, I guess there are certain trike species that don't really uh, control or eliminate all these pathogens. Um, but, there, you know, there are certain trike species that aren't in, I'll just say this, there, there are certain trike species, there's a couple that aren't in recharge that actually eliminate all pathogens in, in organic and organic medias, which you really don't want to put in your system because they just overtake everything. They're like the, you know, Shaquille O'Neal on the basketball court just dominating everything else that comes <laughs> through, just putting their hand above the rim and like, nope, you're not coming in. Right, right. right. Now you want to yeah. balance, man. Yeah, you definitely want to balance. So, um yeah, it's Again, just to conclude, the trikes are really shown across a wider range of studies that I've looked at to be effective biocontrol agents. Um, certain strains of it, uh, the Harzianum, what, what are some of the strains that are in recharge again, just I, for your I, listeners to remember? Reci and Harzarium. Yeah, okay, Those so especially... I've only got two, and I've got a quarter million of each. 
<laughs> not too shabby, but you know specifically the the harzanium are demonstrated to really increase the uptake and concentration of a variety of nutrients. So more specifically, copper, phosphorus, iron, and manganese. You know we were talking about beneficial fungal spores in general with a phosphorus uptake, but again that specific trike species helps. And so um, uh, I don't know, man. Increased uptake really is just improving all other plant uptake mechanisms and all the other metabolism, uh, the metabolites that are going on in there. Yeah. You know? So well, it does make sense, man. It does make sense. Believe it or not, I am following you, Jake. No, so I, I, guess. I can tell you, my my sponge is full, man. It's like I just got out of class over here. I mean, well, you want to talk all... a little bit about trike and cocoa real quick? Um, yeah, you know, cool. I kind of I mean, thought. You can always take more. So well, I guess you know inorganic substrates. We'll talk about cocoa are are more effectively colonized by bacteria, while organic substrates are more effectively colonized by fungi. So while trichoderma species have been shown to establish and proliferate in a you know wide range of mediums, colonization um, you know may be greater in organic mediums such as cocoa core. So when cocoa core and rock wool were compared with uh, after inoculation with that trichoderma oh harzianum. It was found that the what did they find? <laughs> it was found that the colonization was greater in the cocoa, while the rock wool contained the highest amount of this uh, Pseudomonas bacteria. And so the Harzanium strains were applied to transplanting to the core and the rock wool. Um, the Fusarium crown and root rot incidence of uh, uh, was it greenhouse grown tomatoes was reduced mm-hmm. like up to. 80% in cocoa core slabs, and I think like 70% rock wool slabs, with yield increases of uh, anywhere between 10 and 37% in cocoa, and like 5 and 25% in rock wool. So, inoculating your trike in your cocoa, actually, in real studies, I'm trying to think where the study was done. Sounds like I don't a know. Man. Yeah, University, man. Yeah, I can email you the, the the study if you uh, if you get to me and you want to post the link to it because uh, it was pretty interesting though. And again, all they inoculated with was that specific trichoderma species that's in recharge the you know the harzanium. And again, you talk about that increase in yield and you know um, any materials that are high in the lignocellulose are the organic media, straw, wood bark, cocoa fiber. So this really makes cocoa an ideal environment for recharge. But yeah. don't don't let that discredit rock wool because it showed in that study with the greenhouse. Uh, uh, tomatoes that it's still it still helped yeah exactly so don't let someone turn their nose and say oh, I just want to run a sterile environment well you can oh, run a sterile no. environment or you can increase your yield five to twenty five percent you choose well spoken my friend well spoken right right so uh, yeah again last thing I want to touch on Scotty is the optimum temperature for trikes too um, a lot of people put chillers in their water because their rooms get really really hot um, and just like any other living thing uh, the trichoderma species have temperature you know, optimum temperature for rapid colonization and bioactivity. So for right. most of the commonly applied species and the one specific to recharge, this is about like 75 to 85 degrees with about 80 degrees being ideal. I so if conditions are too cold, something. though, the colonization of the trike is going to slow and even cease. If it's too warm, they die back, and the trike may become out-competed, leaving the door open for other forms of microbial species to take hold. Yeah, I think I'm getting them, man. And that's why you can, where I couldn't run deep water culture with no chiller before, with a ton of recharge, I can run, you know, a ton of trichoderma in the mix. I can start run, or I can run a deep water culture system with aeration and circulation, but no chiller. And I can run temperatures into the 80s and still not getting my any kind of uh, 
you know, uh, fusarium or any kind of rots. So it's right, pretty amazing. Because of course the trikes at that point are really colonizing and it's, it's the environment, the, you know, the window that they like to have. Um, so that's the culprit though. I was always wondering there, I knew there was something in there that was, that was, you know, keeping the, uh, you know, the wolves at bay just to, you know, so to speak. And yeah, I think it really is. I'm leaning towards the trichoderma being the real de- determining factor there. You know, a lot of people too, just so we, we were talking a little bit about pythium before, I think a lot of hydroponic growers attribute that root browning disease to these pythium waterborne pathogens when really the major, one of the major causes of the root browning is just the root zone oxygen starvation, usually caused by overly warm or waterlogged media. You know, if it's just saturated in water, you know, the, the, there's not enough oxygen traveling through there and uh, the dissolved right. oxygen saturation point is just is, is too uh, too low for them to do it. So... You know, nutrient salts don't leak into the roots of the plant. Nutrient uptake is an active process which has, you know, relies on a lot of factors, and one of which is, is satisfactory levels of oxygen being available to the roots of the plant. So uh, roots are pumping the nutrients from outside the root to the inside where they're taken up to and transported to the leaves, and this process requires energy, hence photosynthesis, and the roots get their energy from respiration. Respiration requires this energy, which is achieved by burning sugars, carbohydrates, kelp, fish, uh, molasses-based glucose and fructose sweeteners, not right. the sucralose, sucralose-based uh, sweeteners. I'm not going to I don't want to name any companies' names, but most of the watery sugar sweetener products are all sucralose-based, right? And unfortunately, the 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 roots and the microbes can't, you know, they have to, they need sucralase to break it down into a usable sugar form for them. So you're creating another step in a plant's short life cycle, and the enzymes just sometimes don't even care; they don't want to want to waste it. Right. So then, obviously, part of that sugar is made in the leaves by photosynthesis and transported to the, the, the roots, that's how they get the sugar, you know, to power those nutrient pumps when it's not supplied by us. But again, we're controlling the environment. We want to supply as much uh, efficient energy burning as, as possible instead of laying it all up to the plant. Um, yeah, I mean, you got to set these things up to when you just can't throw them, you know, great quality food if the environment isn't right, or even, the you know, like with the oxygenation, what you were talking about in the root zone. You know, it's like somebody, you know, giving you a, one of those Kobe beef steaks, while you're choking, you know what I mean? Or, or, you know what I mean? Or while, you know, your, your mouth and nose are duct tape, you know? Good luck, man. Well, you know, we just talked about photosynthesis uh, and made, the sugars are made in the leaves and they're driven down into the root, which is why we talked about those root exudates and those are the roots are shooting those things out when they're brought. But unlike sugar, we just, we're on the oxygen, touch, we're touching on that right now. So unlike sugar, oxygen is not transported from the leaves to the roots, which really means the roots got to get their own oxygen, right? So sure. the roots can't get sufficient amount of oxygen because of excessively warm water or nutrient or because there isn't enough airspace in the growing media, they're too yeah, the- tight. You know, their pumping capacity is totally shut off and the result of this is the plant becomes starved of all that nutrition so there's a lot of factors that determine dissolved oxygen levels in water and this is really catered a lot to your dwc growers too it's uh they're always you know, bitching we ignore them man so come on man this is for there y'all, you go man. so i guess uh, you know if, if you have uh how do i say it determining oxygen dissolved oxygen levels in water is what i'm talking about so i guess if fresh water can hold you know, eight parts per million of oxygen at 77 degrees, while at 68 degrees, water can hold as much as nine parts per million of oxygen. So the colder water gets, the more oxygen it can retain. Yes. The warmer water gets, the less oxygen it can retain. But if water's too cold, the nutrient uptake and growth rates will be reduced. So there's a fine balance and there's this fine line where you don't want to go, you know, too cold, even though you can get more oxygen in there. Um, and again, you don't want it to be too warm where it's choking out oxygen. So the oxygen content and water temperature are, are um, 
pretty damn important. Positive, positive, correl- positive correlation. So when one goes up, the other one goes up. When one goes down, the other one goes down. Sure. Right? So negative correlation. In, Sorry. In hydro, I mean, you're keeping your water water uh, cooler. I mean, my, my veg room sitting at 85, you know, all light, which has to make me think my soil is at least probably going to get up to upper 70s or 80 in my black nursery pots where that's party time for the trichoderma where they're not going to be as, uh, I guess I'm going to say, active in the cooler water, which uh, to me makes me lean. Again, my philosophy is like clean, and, and I'm, it's changing every time we talk, but mm-hmm. in hydro, it's clean and sterile. In soil soilless, it's like dirty and active. I'm trying but, to get uh, to him, Jake. I'm trying to get to him, brother. <laughs> I got a guy that runs uh, four-by-eight tables. He's in an environment where he can't go in and out of his grow facility very easily and bring in a bunch of new media, his waste. He can't bring in out, you know, trash bags of uh, cocoa or rock wool. So his system is an ebb and flow, and he actually grows in hydrogen trays, fills up the whole tray with hydrogen, has these netty pots that are filled with uh, uh, some. We're we're experimenting with cocoa and certain size grodan um, just to keep it a little bit smaller. Uh, Some of the smaller grodan, not the large Hugo uh, cubes or slabs, and essentially, you know, that's a media where you would think, okay, there's lots of oxygen, there's a lot of stuff going on, the reservoir, it's ebb and flow, there's plenty of, uh, of things. Uh, he, he seems to think, oh, it's a sterile environment. I don't have any reason to use the, a wettable powdered form of mycorrhiza. You know, granular obviously won't work unless I just transplant it when it's a cut into this cube and maybe get it there. And I told him, I'm like, you couldn't be more wrong. You know, um, of course, with he's having the same thing. It's the same, it's the root rot issues that are going on. He's got lots of oxygen in his water because obviously his media allows that too. And with the ebb and flow feeding three times a day, there's plenty of water movement. Yeah. He's got air stones and circulation. Temperatures are a little warm, and uh, you know, I think with the pumps and everything that goes in there, uh, and not inoculating, he's 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 missing this key this this key factor. And this is a this is a larger uh, a larger operation, you know, with 30 lights, and so you know the the environment is nice, man. Maybe his granddaddy grew like that. I think it was his buddy back in NY. Yeah, but it's but, the same uh, thing, man. That's a, you know, it's it's uh you know human nature, man, to do what you're comfortable yeah. with and to do what used to work in the past. You know, I gotta say though, we gotta talk a little bit about. We just talked about uh, oxygen content. Something really key that I just thought about. Um, thinking of this guy, he had pH issues. Um, and which brings me to optimum pH for trikes. You know, uh, people think, oh, you know, these certain fungal spores, they like a certain pH. You know, in, in, in ag, we've studied a little bit and shown that, you know, whether you watered in a 9.0 solution or a 5.0 solution, there's certain um, endo and ecto mycorrhizal spores created in an environment in the root zone to make it like 6.8. That's just what they liked. And that's where I was trying to get to earlier, where when you use these inoculants, you can actually create a media that's that's more stable across. So whether you use these mycorrhizal spores in soil or cocoa or you know even rock wool in the wettable powder form when you when you transplant you know they're they're creating an environment that's best suited for them to to survive and thrive but when you talk about trikes optimum ph um well trichoderma fungi in general vary between species for optimum ph but most fungi thrive in semi-acidic conditions again 7.0 is basic hence 6.8 being somewhat acidic um the the cellulase um, production by trike, you know, harzanium, which we keep, I keep bringing this up just because it really relates to recharge, is really demonstrated at pHs of like 5.2 to 6.2 with 5.5 being the ideal. Once you get over 6.0, it reduces that cellulase production and therefore it's advisable 
from my perspective and anyone that I've ever talked to that the optimum pH for trikes and hydro is like five, six to, you know, five, nine, I would say five, five to six. So some guys say, no, nah, keep it at five, eight. And some dudes do it at five, six, but really five, eight, five, five to six. So um, is an optimum pH for the trikes, whether your media is that or your solution, you know, you could water in your solution at a, I know guys that um, have their cocoa and smart pots. They water in at like uh you know, maybe 6.0, but when they get test their runoff, it's coming out at like a 5.5. You know, hey, that's a great environment for your trikes. The other yeah. guys will water in at 5.5. They test their runoff, it's at 6.5. You know, so you really just got to focus more on the pH of your media and not really of your water. And that's, again, what we talk about. These trichoderma and other species microbes are all colonizing your, your media. They're not colonizing in your water. Right. So uh, don't focus so much on the pH of your water. It's really important to test your runoff and, and, and or, uh, you know, Blue Lab makes a, a great soil pen meter that you can use in cocoa too. Um, so a lot of guys uh, can utilize that to really find out what the pH of their media is besides just using runoff as the only indicator because that's yeah. not a true, you know, indicator of it. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to getting one of those Blue Lab probes, man. I was in a, yeah, you know, a if couple you have days the, ago and saw that they had they have a one that you just can stick straight into the soil, man. So exactly, you, it's that plastic stick, yeah. Are you and you can detach that. Huh? Scott, Scotty used to say that he now you're going to start pH in that. You weren't really too concerned with pH, figuring that you know your soil microbiology is doing a lot of the work for you. But from what we're hearing from Jacob, we want to keep it you know somewhat dialed in. He's saying you, you do, want to, you do. Yeah, you want to have it somewhere between five, you know, five and a half and six is what I'm getting. Yeah, and five and a half to six is for trichoderma species specifically, right? We're not talking about uh, mycorrhizal right. uh, fungals. We're not talking about bacillus or anything right. else, right? We're just talking about trichs. So people that are using okay. recharge initially on. It's, it should be important to keep your, your media pH around that for an optimum, you know, production and, uh, you know, cellulase benefits. So we're talking about enzymes again, you know, which ties into to the biocozyme and other products. If you're using an enzymatic formula, this, again, is really helpful for, for that. And that's why typically enzymatic formulas are, are more acidic than not because of their uh, – you know, in an ideal environment for the enzymes that are floating around in the solution. Yeah. Um, What's the best overall pH? That's what I want to know because I'm using all everything you mentioned at the same time. I think you want pH to float, man. I, you kind of, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't focus too much on like, what's your ideal pH? Because then I, I tell a guy, well, I really like it to be just 6.0. It's real basic. It's in the middle, 6.3. You're fine. Some guys in soil say, oh, you know, I put mine at like 6.5. That's fine. Uh, again, it's going to fluctuate through throughout time. And, and to be honest, based on certain feeds, if you follow the feed chart and you were to use uh, a pH neutral of 7.0 water and did the feed throughout the weeks, your pH is going to change based on the products you're using, right? Um, yeah, I mean, that's what's happening to me. I created the little you know the lucky perfect storm of everything that so so my recharge just i kind of happened into where it works awesome i use cocoa i use a bit of synthetic nutrient that that lowers my ph not you know just with the combination of the water and the nutrient that i'm using where mm -hmm. you know i've got a five five to six oh ph range in my so in my cocoa and that's why i'm jumping up and down swearing this stuff works you can do anything it works you know because i've got that perfect uh, environment in my soil i mean i couldn't agree with i agree with everything you just said really and and again getting back to not getting too hung up on it like uh scotty said the ebb and flow of your ph as your, your plants kind of move on is great but ultimately if you can keep it around 6.0 whether it be 5.8 whether it be 6.3 you know try to keep it there but again the beneficials if you are inoculating don't be surprised if your ph fluctuates in your media regardless of how what ph you're watering it at you know and again that they're creating the environment and they're getting cozy you know they're moving into 
in their apartment and they're just they're they're getting settled. So you know, don't 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 hem up on it too much. But I think if you're growing in soil, you don't want to go over six eight. Obviously, if you're growing oh, yeah. in cocoa or rock wool, you know, try to shoot for watering in at six And no matter what anything else is doing, most nutrients are going to be available at that pH. And uh, yeah, I'm just kind of. It makes good sense. I don't brother. want to get too hemmed up. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, guys. I hope that was folks. a. I hope that was um, comprehensive enough and not too. Hell yeah. Too, uh, too much. It was badass, man. I'm glad I got these things recorded, man. All right, guys. Well, let's wrap it up. Thanks a ton for coming in and dropping all that knowledge, Jake. Uh, looking forward to it in the next week or two. Again, we'll find something fun to talk about for sure. Hell yeah, and man. I guess it's, I was gonna say maybe something less scientific, but it is called dropping science. So I mean, I like it. I like it. I'm learning. I think we should call it one bong hit science, man. All right, that'll well, yeah, we'll, that. Yeah, we'll have we'll, we'll tone it down. One BT science, two BT science. We'll have a graded <laughs> scale on how 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 much science we're going to drop. So that's good. I love cool. it, brother. I love it. We'll let you go. Let you get some work done in the office there, and uh, we'll be back, guys, with Dude Grow Show. Uh, see you in a minute. Yeah. All right. Later. Dropping science like Galileo dropped the orange. Yo. Why don't you go get that good shit? You know, that shit that your brother gave you. That good shit. Yeah, that's the shit. to take away my recharge and I said no, no, no Yes, I grow the day that's just like money in the bank, I'm in the know, oh, oh Come on and do yourself a favor and grow some dangness that you can savor, cause I'm growing top shelf with recharge the proof is in the smoke oh, oh Recharge is a natural soil conditioner that takes the guesswork out of growing. The secret is in the biology. Recharge loads your soil up with organic beneficials that store and deliver nutrients to the plant as needed. In traditional or organic gardening, Recharge makes growing amazing quality simple. I got the time to buy seven bottles when one's just five. Why you try to take my Recharge when you can get your own Back with the Grow Talk. Grow Talk. We need a lead-in jingle for Grow Talk. Yeah, man. I got what's growing on, man. That's that's my that's the jingle has been in my head recently, man. So, oh, right. hey, you well, know, man. Is, oh, maybe I'll actually, be- I did reach out to Mendo Dope and asked him for a uh, a Grow Talk jingle. So we're we're working on it, man. Yeah, we need something like you know, 15, 20 seconds talking about the Grow Talk. Write it up, like man. That. All right, all this shit is just from shit from my head, man. So you write something up, man. Come on. Hey, that's bullshit. I brought up vanilla oh, ice. Oh shit! All right? You did. That was ice. Ice baby was all you. You are right, man. Right on. 
was a big, <laughs> big fan. Back Actually, in the day, man. I was Real. hanging out with uh, one of the one of the girls over at Way to Grow, and I told her about the, the Vanilla Ice song, and she goes, "Oh yeah, I like big buds, and I cannot lie." And I was like, "No, that's not the song, but I like where you're going, man. You're on the next album already, girl." <laughs> All right, first question here in Grow Talk from a friendly, uh, basically running into. How can, you, how can you not questions. like a guy named Friendly, okay? I, there was a dog the other day, actually. I was uh, at this person's house. Huge, like maybe a Great Dane. Like when it's just standing on all four legs, it was like up to my wow. damn chest. And then when you'd sit down, it'd come get like right in your face. Not hyper. It'd come like it just stand there like with its nose like an inch from your nose. And, <laughs> and, and they're like, if you – it was one of those owners – wouldn't like scold its dog be like if you ignore him he will not do that it's like okay <laughs> but it took like five minutes and i'm like what's this dog's name They're like happy so it's happy the great Holy dane shit. It's like all right how can i how can i hate happy? <laughs> yeah just like just like happy gilmore man it's just fucking awesome <laughs> all right friendly is asking remember back when when you're starting out and your money was funny oh, or yeah. broke if you will <laughs> please break down the minimum nutrients you would use for veg and flowering you guys name so many different things, but those costs those costs can really add up. So give us the basics, please, and then I'll work, and then I'll work my way. I love up. these kind of questions. So man. I like that, man. I mean, it's a, a tough question. This is tough. I thought it was an easy one, so I liked it. Well, there's a lot of a lot of products come to my head. I mean, I, what do you want to start? With? Of course, let's let's start with uh, veg. I mean, I, I'm gonna go so super super base? simple, and I'm gonna say that you could use. Foliage Pro from Dynagro and Recharge as your as your base, you know, or, or just that's it. And just run that completely. I would say if you could add some silica as well, but those three bottles will get you a decent product. It's not going to get you connoisseur grade shit, but especially if you're just doing it outdoors or something like that, that, that would be all you would need. And that would even work in a hydroponic situation there, what you're talking about. So that could work for soil, soilless hydro. I'm going to go... I'm going to go simple because we'll each have our own picks here. In veg, if I were growing in soil, I would pick, uh, I would pick, if you have a hydro store available close to you, I'm going to go with Roots Organic. Or if you want to mix something, Ocean Forest mixed with some perlite or peat to yeah, light it up. Yeah, I forgot to talk about the soil and at the, all. I only talked about the newts. Well, you're going to be doing, I, I'm just going to say you probably are, are recommending for cocoa. Cocoa or hydro. Uh, How about that? You're cocoa or hydro, and I'm soil. All right, but I mean, he could do cocoa. He could also just do anything with a little cocoa in it. You know, take a, a sunlight, what is it, sunshine number four, mix a couple of bags of cocoa in there. And have you know, and, and maybe some uh, earthworm castings in there, and he's got himself a great mix for not very expensive. Yeah, and you can go. I mean, don't get me wrong. Roots Organic mix is it does have plenty of cocoa in it, uh, as well as some of the other mixes I like. Mana Mana Mix from Vital Earths. Um, I've used Coco Loco from Fox Farm. That's a mix of cocoa and forest products and all kinds of different shit. But once I have, if I'm using, let's say, the Roots Organic mix or uh, another mix that has some enrichment. Always remember on the cheap, usually the first couple weeks, your plant, let's say you're transplanting a one gallon into a five gallon. At least the first 10 days, you really don't need to use much nutrient, if any. If you do, use it at quarter strength. On the and it, Your plant's not going to suffer from that. And then um, we're going to need a big base. What do you think, Scotty, about the fish from Grow More as a yeah, base and veg? Yeah, you could definitely use that, man. A 5-1-1 fish. Yep. So I'm going to pick for your base and veg the Grow More fish. Because it's fifteen dollars a quart, 
And if you do want to hook up with the shit, you get it on the web. Go over to Real Growers. Scotty's got it. I've used it for a couple of years now. Solid product. Doesn't smell too stinky at all for right. being a fish. It's almost deodorized. So now does that fish have enough? Um, does it have any cow mag in it? Like, do you think we're going to need to, and that's called, I think it has some seaweed too. So do you think that's going to cover our basis for cow mag and like your micronutrients needed? I don't know. I'm not, I've never grown with so little. That's why I recommended something like the foliage pro. Cause that's like an all in one foliage pro. The reason it's got that weird name is because right. it was meant for the, uh, indoor foliage industry. Like the, you know, the guys that take care of the office plants and things like that. So they could just have one simple bottle that they could keep and, 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 water all stages of growth with well i'll go i'll stick with just using the fish and i'd say it's one of those things where I, i'm gonna guess with the seaweed in there it's gonna have enough of what you need on your micronutrients and then your your cow mag uh, and what you do in those situations on a budget is just you learn how to look at your plants and a lot of times people with base good base nutrients won't see the deficiencies because there's enough in there unless you're growing an aggressively hungry strain and then at that point sure go pick up some cow mag but don't pick it up before you but need if it, money you know? is funny man just so, pick yourself up a dozen eggs eat the eggs every morning and take the eggshells I and mean, there's your cow mag right there man there you go so my pick for veg i'm gonna do two products is gonna be the the fish and it doesn't have to be grow more guys but it's a good fish and seaweed mix um a quality my pick was roots for now and enriched soil so when you plant into it you don't have to use any newts for a while and then i think i'm gonna go also with so we can have two bottles in veg um an enzyme i really like enzymes uh, I used to use Hygrozyme a shit ton all the time forever. I've used that product for a long time as like my staple. I've been using now the Biocozyme just because it's half the price of Hygrozyme by the court. So I'm going to do the fish fertilizer and the enzyme of your choice, or my pick is Biocozyme. Um, cause again, cause I, you guys hear me mention to grow more cause the shit's affordable. It's $17 a right. quart. So I have a really good base and an enzyme and a quality soil, and that's going to take through me throughout veg. And so of course, up how, di- how different we are, man. That that yours is so different, man. Like I was like biocozyme, but then when I, when you put them all together, it does make sense. The biocozyme kicks the kicks the fish in the high gear because all the enzymes that the fish has. So it's pretty 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 smart, yes, man. I and like of course that. I'll throw recharge in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that is pretty smart, man. I like I like your I like your style, dude. Hang on, I got that one, man. I like your style, so dude. I have, <laughs> <laughs> I have three products, but all of them, I mean, the fish, you'll see what I'm going to do. It's going to get interesting. Right now, three products for veg. Okay, so what are you going to do for Bloom? I mean, if he's really trying to keep it simple, I'm telling him from seed to harvest, from veg to Bloom, he can use that foliage pro because of the NPK ratio that's in it. Um a foliage pro with recharge with some silica and i would just run that the whole what about the nitrogen in it when you're in bloom yeah i can just tell you that it works man i mean i run a little bit of nitrogen you're gonna like i said you're not gonna get connoisseur quality man it might be a little leafy you might get a little bit of foxtails on there but you'll get you know it's really cheap and really easy to do that's what he was asking right a very simple what's the mpk on that you know i don't i think it's a three I, i know it's like a i don't know a three one two ratio or something like that I, I can't remember off the bat, man. I, I don't have it in front of me, and I don't really use Foliage Pro either. But I'm just saying, as far as just really simple, you know, one and done products, something like that, you know. Uh, Dude, it's a, my concern if you're going to use that in bloom. Not I want nitrogen. It's a nine three six. Yes. So it's so, a, a three, uh, a one, and then a two. As far as if you if as far as the ratio goes. 
Yeah, that's what they call it. Yeah, it's just how, I, yeah, if you're breaking it or diluting it down, I well, guess they call you're it the, the ratio. It's a three, one, two. So three times, if you times all those by three, three times three is nine. A, a three times one gotcha. is three, and a three times two is six. So it's, that's just the ratio that they use. I'm all for nitrogen the first month of bloom, and I've actually caught myself cutting it out too early plenty of times on the sativas that grow longer, um, bloom longer, right. I should say. But I'm not saying I don't believe you, but I'd be hesitant in using that product in prime flowering as far as week six and some a week, like the first half of week seven. Right. So and look, I'm not saying there's a reason why I use 10, 11, 12 bottles, man. You know what I mean? Because I'm trying to do something very specific. I'm trying to come up with the best product I possibly can. But if things are simple, you know, and, and, and you know, you're trying to come up with this, maybe there is no grow store around. Maybe you're going to order a $15 quart of foliage pro on amazon you know a 30 dollar eight ounce recharge and then a 15 you know dollar quart of uh well, protect you know what i mean and what do you got you got 50 bucks into you know 60 dollars into your in, into your nutrients for the whole harvest so your bloom and review was the same your same foliage shit. pro yeah recharge. same shit and then was there something else i uh, just just silica i'd use the silica as well some kind of silica okay yeah, that's it, man. Boring. So, uh, I mean, I ain't telling you that's the best solution. I'm telling you that's where it starts, man. That's the very basics. That's when you just want to get somebody growing weed. And then from there, man, you'd be like, hey, you know what, man? Try Dynagrow Grow next time and then Bloom the next time after that. And then you can kind of just go from there. But Dynagrow Dave swears that Foliage Pro is better than his Grow and Bloom. That, he, that That's a one-shot, one-and-done formula. And, I, yeah, he knows his shit. So I definitely know he knows his shit, so... It's just it's like some things are hard for me to implement. Like when people tell me not to, I don't need to adjust my pH. It's like one of those habits like I've had for so long. I, I'm, my brain's broken. Sure. on not doing it. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm still going to use the same shit. So I'm only going to add one bottle off the top of my head. There's a lot of, if you, if you can find a good organic, semi-organic, and you know Scott's going to be like, what, soul synthetics? No, uh, I'm going to say I'd probably run BioThrive Bloom from General Organics. And so you're going to still run your enzyme uh, with biocozyme, and then you're still going to run your foot, your fish in bloom. What I'm going to have you do is alternate the two. So you're going to feed with fish. The next time you're going to feed with your base bloom from General Organics and feed with fish. That way you're hitting the best of all realms. If you even wanted to mix them both together in bloom at half rates, I'm fine with that too. And that's about it. So I got one, two, three, four right. products. Uh, an enzyme, a fish, a good base bloom, and recharge to put everything to work turbo. Diggity. And, I mean, that, that does sound like some nice product there. Can you get that shit on Amazon? I'm going to grow better herbs yeah. than you. I, go, I, I wouldn't what? be surprised, man. That really does sound like a nice flavorful combination there. Uh, a little bit, you know, my shit's synthetic, so you can put it in a, a, a reservoir and put a timer on there with some drippers and kind of not really have to work too hard at it. Yours, you're probably going to have to hand water in, but... Uh, yeah, man, I like your solution. I really do. Yeah, yours definitely adapts to hydro too. But I would say, as a reminder, I think you, we agree on this. Anybody out there using the recharge and hydro, don't be. I, I experiment with it. I guess I wouldn't. I still recommend not adding it to reservoir. You want to water at your active plant sites, get it on the roots, but don't let it sit in a res because doesn't it just eventually, it's not a good environment for it, won't be as vital as well as settle out unless you got a hell of an active yeah, reservoir. Yeah, I agree, man. There's, there's things like mycorrhizae that actually have to touch the root. As soon as they touch the root, they wake up. So, you know, leaving them to brew in your reservoir, it ain't going to do shit for myco. And there's a lot of things like that. <laughs> 
Cool, cool. All right, let's go on to the next question from Junior. (laughs) (laughs) JR, come on, man. Give some respect to the crew, man. All right. All right, I will now. I will now. Sorry. All right, here is, uh, hey, guys, what's growing on? I love it. I love it. Uh, Next song coming. (laughs) I was told that a mother plant that has been systematically healed, systemically healed, I should say, of powdery mildew will never get it again, nor will its cuttings. Is this true? Also, can you speak on what Eagle 20 is and what it does and why we shouldn't use it at all? So first parts of his question here, mother plant that has been systemically healed. Okay. So I've definitely gotten plants, you know, people say different shit where powdery mildew, once you got it, it's always in the plant. I've gotten a couple plants, two, three plants from growers that were like in two gals. They're still pretty treatable. They weren't trees. He had powdery mildew. He said he beat it. And of course, you know, I don't trust anybody but myself and barely that. So I definitely treated them heavy. Every like third day, I'd take them out of the garden and just soak them in like I do an Azimax treatment. I was using the ATAC from Optic Foliar and then I'd mix it up with Serenade as well. So I'm hitting it with all kinds of shit. But then it never got powdery mildew again. So I, for one, do believe that you can you can rid a plant with powdery mildew for sure, and it won't come back. Do you believe? Are you on the same page there? And I, I'm going to defer to you, man. I don't get powdery mildew. I don't think I've ever dealt with powdery mildew, man. And so I don't have much experience with it. All right. Well, then that's what I've experienced with it for sure. And I believe if you if you haven't seen powdery mildew on your mother plant in at least a few weeks. I, no problem for me taking cuttings. Continue to, to treat with, with paranoia, you know, once every 10 days, even if you don't see any powdery mildew, it never hurts to put, you know, some, some things on that aren't harsh on your plant or your body or whatever. So that's how I would handle it. You, um, definitely. I was just, just going to say, go this ahead. is one of those things where our crew is going to know a lot about, you know, probably a lot more than, definitely than I do, but probably more than both of us do. So w- when this episode comes out, please comment in the, uh, you know, Leave some comments in the comment section and let us know your experience with Eagle 20. I can tell you, I mean, we were talking to, I think we mentioned it before, uh, over at Way to Grow, we were talking to a salesman at Tyson, and basically he was mentioned. we were like, dude, Eagle 20, can't believe that's for sale here, what the hell? And he's like, when a, a commercial grower has, you know, rooms or a big garden and there's multiple stages of bloom and powdery mildews just, you know, and there's not enough air movement because the size of the garden. So there's no other way they beat it. Now, Eagle 20 uh, is for ornamental use. Absolutely. Only. It's the reason why I'm, I'm sitting here under on Dow <coughs> Chemicals MSDS right now, and it is absolutely for lawns and, and landscape ornamentals, man, turf grass and ornamental species. And everything you hear from people when they say, oh, well, if you just use it before flower, like it's good, man. Like it's it's going to be at such low parts per million. Well, show me the yeah. studies. You know, show me who's studied this shit and what effects it has, or how much of it is left in herb. When it, who has a study on it being inhaled? It's just so many unknowns. That's why I, I can tell you. Say stay I the hell away. I have a friend that had to go to the hospital after smoking a little weed. You know, was having some kind of a respiratory reaction, and when he went to the uh, emergency room, he had I guess he had some kind of test done and it was an emerge it was a reaction to eagle 20 they isolated it to the uh the chemical that was that is eagle 20 and i was like wow what's the name of the chemical uh, hang on, let me scroll up so they actually i know we talked about this before on the show but they actually were isolated it to like the active ingredient used in that's that that's what i'm to understand man i wasn't there so i can't swear by it but you know, the reason why I can believe that is because we've said it before, there are definitely growers that if they don't, 
They got powdery mildew 30 days into flowering. If they don't take care of it, they lose oh, their yeah, job. Man. So the hell the hell if they're not going out and spraying it with ornamental use only shit. But, so But not not um, only that, man. That, I mean, there's just people that that's the mentality. I mean, you come here from someplace else. You know, a lot of, you know, how you learn how to grow weed is usually from somebody teaching you. And if somebody teaches you that the move is once a week you go and buy the blue bug bombs and you alternate those with the blacktop bug bombs and, you know, and that, that's how you keep, that's your IPM. And, hey, this Avid is really good stuff, too. Use that once a week and put a minocloprid in your soil. You know, I mean, there's people that are teaching this kind of stuff because it seems like a, it maybe seems like a good idea, you know, if, if, if on the surface. Yeah, yeah, that stuff kills bugs. I want to kill bugs. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Not, not good. So that I think we nailed as far as you know, not a scientist. Yeah, I'm so on sorry. It, I, I don't know specifically. You know, the, I'm not gonna pretend to know exactly what the chemical composition is. It's an organosilicate, and it poisons this way. Blah 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 blah. I don't know that. What I know is that it's a a for turf and ornamental specialty fungicide, and it's a, a Dow. You know, it's by Dow AgroScience, so it's a you know a big ag type of product. And uh, this is what they're using to control. Uh, uh, black spot or powdery mildew, things like that on land. You know, when you get your Christmas, uh, how are those big things called? The poinsettias. You ever notice how they're just, per- yeah, they're yeah. perfect and all that. I'm sure they've got some Eagle 20 on there because, you know, you sure, sure don't want to get powdery mildew on those babies. That's what it's just. Des- Damn, I smoke my <laughs> poinsettias when they're done. But that's what it's designed for. It's definitely not designed for uh consumable products i mean they would have to test the shit out of this stuff you know make sure it doesn't cause cancer all that stuff long-term studies it cost them a fortune word let's get to the next yeah, question yeah man what you got what you got now I'm getting warmed up man i got the gdp in me man what's up <laughs> from from tony his question today is about feeding schedules i've heard the dude mentioned on a few accounts that he really doesn't favor using feeding schedules how or what can you tell me to get on the level to where I know what to give and when? Uh, looking to learn how to be more in tune with my ladies. It's always hard to be in tune with the ladies. It's tough. <laughs> First thing you do uh, is go study nutrient deficiencies. You know, when, while you're watching TV, grab the iPad and uh, pull up a nutrient deficiency. You know, just Google nutrient deficiencies, cannabis, or just nutrient deficiency in general, and you'll see these charts will come up. You know, these guys took the time to do 15 or 20 different pictures of. <laughs> what iron deficient looks like, what magnesium deficient looks like, what nitrogen deficient looks like. And they all have these little, you know, very simple, uh, uh, subtle characteristics, I should say. You know, you'll see little brown spots means this. Purple veining means this. Light yellow color means this. And you'll be like, hmm, okay. Um, it's, that's how you first can really start to learn because you got to look at your leaves for the most part. I think your leaves are a really good sign to tell you what's going on. Yeah, and he says, he, I mean, he's broken away from some of the products to be on a specific schedule. Um, he's used some of the show's recommendations, and he's still sticking to the timing of the schedules for feeding, and he has eight grows under nice. his belt. So that's yeah. pretty good. Um, he knows there's always room for improvement, but he says we're still in the dark ages in Kentucky. So a couple things, yeah. I mean, knowing deficiencies, uh, less in general, less is more, and just when you're using – if you're chemically feeding a plant, I think the feeding chart is more important. Your plant, you're feeding the plant, not the soil. If you're feeding it the way we promote more on the show by using, like I said, such as a fish or some of these organic right. mixes, and then you have some some life in your soil, that's communicating with the plant. It's getting it what the plant needs and when it wants it. So that's where, you know, because my, my usage in general 
on uh, everything I'm using is like a teaspoon per gallon. I mean, that's on the enzyme, that's on the fish, that's on the base but nutrient. By, by having in, a living soil, you've got this huge buffer. You've just got this huge network of microbes that eat what you put in there and then hold it in the root zone. When the plant signals that it needs it, it's available for the plant. It's bioavailable, man. Yeah, but and you can, yeah, but that's a huge difference than if you're not using that. Say you're in rock wool and you have no microbes. You're literally just you're literally just dropping salts that have a reaction on the roots that the roots can absorb. You know that are in a form that that the roots can absorb that nutrition right away. So you're dropping a whole bunch of salts because just a little bit's going to hit the roots. I'm thinking of like the old World War II bomb you know, bomb movies going on when they just dropped a ton of bombs just hoping something would hit, man. That's kind of the same strat. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of the same strategy, man. And also, how in, in general, when you're looking at your grow, you usually have a peak veg and a peak bloom. Peak veg is when your plants are just, it's not at right after transplant. It usually will happen, you know, a week after transplant when you go into your new container and all of a sudden your plants look fabulous you're like dude they grew two inches last night at that time if you want to up you know i just look i don't use a ppm meter to measure my nutrients because it's not picking up half the shit anyway because it's organic or natural or whatever you want to call it uh i I will go from my teaspoon up to maybe if i'm in peak veg and i want to give them a turbo i'll do like a water or two with a tablespoon per gallon same as in peak bloom when you're in week five and a half to six and a half maybe all the way to seven and your plants look really stoked and you can like damn these flowers are pushing then you can up and be like man i'm gonna give a little bit more of molasses this time i'm gonna give a little bit more kelp or whatever you're using on your your natural nutrients but you can't do that all the time and one thing i forget to mention when i when i'm doing my teaspoon per gallon that's pretty low on some of these organics that recommend up to a tablespoon or more I always have a little top dress, guys, of some type of guano. Like right now, uh, and I do it like once every 10 days to two weeks, is a light top dress dusting of a grow a grow guano. And then when I go into bloom here, I'm going to do, uh, after the first two weeks, a light top dressing of, I always want to get a little bit of that seeping through because sometimes I'm just running into my room and if I'm in a rush, I have to water with plain water or just water with an enzyme. At least I know I'm leaching through some other goodness. Yeah, definitely. So I'm really really a fan of that as well as which i have to go do uh, remind me that i say it as i like to top dress worm castings it's another great way to add shit yeah. to your 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 arsenal man, you know what i'm thinking though man so, color man color has all everything to do with it just like and it's like a subtle change in color too like when you walk into when you when you walk up and meet somebody and if they're fucking pale white like that means something right that means they're about to fucking pass out or something like that you know somebody's super tan they look really healthy right you know we always have have that you know ingrained in us there's something about the the color yeah. of of the leaves where you can tell man if you walk in there and they are super deep dark green well you know that they got plenty of nitrogen and if they're eating nitrogen like crazy man you know they're being fed well if they've got that little burnt tip that's curling up you're like oh man okay i gotta back off or the serrated edges you know these real like sharp edges that kind of kind of raise up you're like whoa okay that's that perfect burn i'm talking about minor over fertilization i need to back off if they're a light green color you know a real pale green well then you know that they're probably minor you know somewhat nitrogen deficient 
you know so things like that just by looking at the leaf looking at the shape of it if they're curled down a bit you know it can be a sign of too much light or too much co2 there's all these or or major over fertilization you know there's all these like clues on like the and it's almost like the way people are you walk in and you see some guy and he's super pale and he's slumped over with real bad body language you know you're like okay what's you know this guy's about to pass out or something you know it's kind of that same thing yeah, and know when you're growing this way. For me, I've struggled before when I when I do see those deficiencies. Like I've seen, you know, a month into flowering, and all of a sudden my white widow is looking way too like yellow. I'm like, I don't want it to look like this until I'm getting ready to flush because it was having a nitrogen deficiency. So, and trying to chase that problem with um, a fish or uh, or a, a grow back guano. For me, when you're running out of time, that it's not going to work. You can do. You feel free to do a light foliar feed of kelp to help offset nitrogen deficiency, as well as uh, watering. Like in my my little backup stash, I have uh, I think it's called Mighty Grow or something from CX Hydroponics. It's a synthetic twelve zero zero. You know, it's a straight synthetic Zero-ray. nitrogen. So in a situation where I got to give the plant a quick hit of nitrogen readily available, and I want to feed the plant instead of the soil, I go to that for like a watering or two. And then you can correct the problem quicker. It's hard to correct problems in a matter of time with organics. So yeah, you have to think ahead because they uh, have to be processed by the microbial system and then delivered to the, to the plant as to where these salt-based nutrients are in a ready available form. They touch the root and they go. Instant results, man. I got a little bit of my own, a little bit of my own grow talk to Come on, add what you got? before we get into I was trying to my consulting on a grow here, um, just of a buddy, and uh, wanted to get him going right. So I was like, dude, I'm going to get him started from Feminized Seed. Don't want to have any issues. Don't want to bring in any bugs. So I picked the glass slipper form, too, because the glass slipper from Reserva Provada Colorado is uh, it's a great, sturdy plant. It usually doesn't need any pruning, doesn't need much support. I'm like, that's a great beginner. Easy to trim. I'm like, I'm going to get him going on that. But, you know, he wants, he's going to grow well within his plant count. So I'm trying to do, you know, a couple plants per thousand watt. And I want to make sure I get yield. So I emailed over there and I was saying, you know, do you think glass slipper is vigorous enough for doing one plant per thousand watt in 15 gallon containers? And I'm looking to yield a pound and a half per plant. So they got right back to me. I think this was their grower with good information. And he's like, I think, you know, getting the selected phenotype, you'd be okay. But he said he'd be hesitant to try that straight from seed. So basically, when you get a vial of seeds, you can get seven seeds for like 25 bucks if you're medicinal, twice as much if you're recreational. He's saying 30% of the seeds planted will lean more to weigh more towards the pollen donor which is LA confidential. So I'm like, okay, how do I how do I see that? How do I pick out the right the right phenotypes? And it gave a great email back. It's like most of them look, you know, pretty uh pretty close to each other. I planted 6. Actually, I planted 7 and the 7th one that was a runt that took like 4 days later right. to pop and was I just I just threw it out. I was like, I'm not going to deal with it. That's the runt. Um, so I'm like, okay, how do I pick these out? And he says the more indica leaning phenos will have much slower growth in veg, which I didn't really see. I have two out of six that are like a half inch shorter right now, you know, but he also said they'll have larger, fatter fan leaves, thicker stems and darker green leaves. And they're saying basically anything that's shorter or bushy isn't going to get you your pound, a pound and a half per light. So then I went back and looked at them and these plants are only six inches tall. And sure enough, you could tell the two shorter ones out of the six did have fatter huh. leaves. It's like, all right, cool. Like I can really see as far as picking out 
Finos, guys, which all I think Scotty's got a segment coming up here next week. A great interview. Um, I know it's on the tip of your tongue to say with a seed breeder, but the phenotypes are just what you pick from. I have 10 seeds. It's all glass slipper. Each one's going to grow slightly different because they're picking different attributes from the mother and the father. Well, it's, I think so, it's dominant and recessive traits from what I remember, which is some of them pick, pick the traits okay. from the mother. Some of them grab the traits from the father, you know, and it kind of it's a little bit of a crapshoot. Yeah, and the ones that it's not that the ones the two that are a little bit smaller. I'm even going to give to another grower uh, that's just getting started in a little tent because it's just growing for himself. He's not trying to get right. huge weight, and they'll still produce, and they might even be a little bit easier for them because they're going to stay squatter and be in control. So yeah, that is pretty damn interesting, that's, man. That's the grow. It's the grow talk I'm wanting to add in, and I am still growing the glass slipper on and off. It's a great plant. Try it out, guys, if you prefer. Hell yeah, man. I like smoking it. I know that. All right. <laughs> Let's get into uh, what's going on in our grows, if you're ready for that. Sure, man. Let's do it. Shit, I've been, I've been working, man. I've been working in my grow, man. Do I get to take it away? All right. Tell me. Tell me. Take it away so I can take it. <laughs> okay, man. So, uh, for, I mean, first off, what's going on in my grow is I really did freak out about the, the fogger that I was using. I had a bunch of busted trichomes on some plants that I'm getting ready to harvest and just What'd you scope yeah, them or something? Yeah, I went in there with the scope trying to figure out what was up. You know, I wanted to see. You know, that's how you, I find, uh, that's how I figure out if my plants are really ready to harvest or not. Is I look for a lot of milky white trichomes, maybe a couple of amber ones over there. But I don't like to have too many amber ones. And, uh, yeah, that's when I'll harvest. So I've got something that's coming up. I've just got one uh, purple Urkel, which I don't know, don't grow that much anymore. So kind of having a good time with it. It's turning super purple. And I'm looking at it, and it's white. I mean, it's got all the white fuzz all over it, you know. But it just don't look like those big bulbous. Usually you can almost tell. It looks like a bunch of little, like, you know, Christmas balls hung on there or something. And this, and you're having a good time with the purple Urkel? Uh, you know, man, I'm probably going to. Good time with a strange lady. <laughs> yeah, I mean this one. This one's really Good growing room. beautifully. But when I'm looking at it, yeah, I'm seeing that it just doesn't look as thick. The resin coating doesn't look as thick. It's on there, but it looks like little thin, wispy strands as opposed to these big balls. And when I went and looked, sure enough, it would. It, that's what it is. It's a bunch of strands of you know, I don't know, trichomes, I guess. But the the tops, the balls have been ruptured, man. So. I guess that's from the only thing I can attribute that to is that I've been using the fogger and I've been going in there being like, yeah, fuck it, man. And now that, (laughs) yeah, you know, it's a fog event, man. Looks like a nightclub in here. And I'm starting to think that going in there and doing that busted the tea, you know, those little tiny uh, water droplets being propelled, even at a low pressure, maybe, maybe was enough to, to, you know, do some damage. So I'm dialing that bitch way down and, uh, it's, I, what about your environment? What about your environment? That's what I want to hear. What did you do? What did you do with the yeah, plants? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's coming up. I told you, I've been in that grow room all fucking week, man. <laughs> I, got, I got plenty of shit in my grow. Man, I was pulling. Originally, I know that the it, it's more efficient to use a fan to pull. They they just pull better than, than they push. But that being said, um, pulling was really creating a lot of problems for me, pulling air through my lights, I should say, because I was pulling outside air, trying to take advantage of that cool air. And I do believe it was giving me bugs because you just can't filter that shit enough, man. And I do believe that it was contributing to a lot of smell, you know, in my backyard because it was pulling this air through. It was constantly trying to pull light from the grow room. If I had a leaky hood, well, it would pull from there. And yeah, it was definitely getting a lot of residual smell. 
So what I did was rearrange it. A, so it's pulling air from my basement. It's not pulling air from the outside anymore. Now I have a pretty cold basement, so you know, no big deal. Um, it's still getting you know so, somewhat of a benefit of that cool Colorado winter, but it's being pulled through the house. So I, and then it's being also pulled through a filter. Now now I have it being pulled or. I guess the air is being actually pushed now through the lights. So I'm taking air from my basement and I'm pushing it through my lights and I'm pushing it out the other end of the basement. Uh, there is absolutely no smell now, which is just great because it's not pulling anything from the grow room. If anything, it's probably dissipating some of the, the conditioned and CO2 air from my, from my grow room. So maybe my burner's having to work a little bit harder. Maybe my AC's having to work a little bit harder. Yeah. But aside from that, man, I don't, I don't know. I'm getting great results. I've done it. And my I used to have it to where every morning when the lights turned on, there would be condensation in them. Sometimes there would be ice in my lights, man. Legit ice where the, the water actually froze in there, man. It was crazy, <laughs> man. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, mean I was getting probably a few gallons a day, maybe two, three gallons a day, and I was trying to catch it. It was all on the floor. Yeah, man, so I have switched to pushing, and I, I love it, man. I think it's a huge difference. Now, I will say I made the mistake of trying to just hang my uh, Max fans. I have two Max Fan 8s. and uh, try Just mount them right to your, your rafters. Mount them right to the, the floor joists, yep, I should say. Yep, did that, and... I mean, holy shit, you know what I mean? I think you could have measured that what the house was shaking like on the Richter scale, man. For real, man. It was shaking. It shook the whole fucking house, man. Those things are powerful fans, man. If you mount them to where they're touching a wall or if you mount them to where they're touching the ceiling, uh, you're going to feel some vibration and you're going to hear some noise. So. Oh, yeah, I'd done that before where I just <laughs> I screwed right into the floor the floor joists or whatever and it's like under the living room and it's like oh grow room's on like, yeah like kind of like a, you got a, another tr hang them from bungee cords or anything you could, where you can hang them suspended and you're pretty right. good to go well, but definitely or what i did don't be mounting to really them chill it out i actually was i was using two max eights hos and instead i just took i have an old stand by a max 12 i'm sorry just a can 12 and those are big hosses, man. Those are workhorses. So I just went and got my old Can 100 filter from the garage. I was going to throw it away two years ago. It's been sitting in my garage because I felt really funny about leaving a 100-pound carbon filter on the curb. I know everything's legal and shit, but... Uh, it's, it's a little... Yeah, it's a little, a little much, man. Hey, don't forget, if you're a grower, man, don't forget to tip your garbage, man, for Christmas, man. Give him a Christmas present, man. Those guys are, those guys are your friends, There you man. go. You definitely want them on your side. Keep... You reminded me of the days I used to, I mean, when I was done with a run using hydrogen in water farms, and it was like, oh, man, all right, time to go to the dump, because I would never put right. it in the trash, and I'd have to, like, so I'd make, I'd, like, double, triple bag it, so, I mean, nothing's worse, like, you're at the dump, and bag breaks, and then there's rock wool and hydrogen everywhere, oh, and pieces of plant, and you're like, oh, Not shit, cool, man. and uh, this is back in the day but uh regardless you'd have to find i'd find you know okay i can't just have six perfectly packaged black bags you're gonna think like a burger or something like <laughs> Dexter, you need to man. throw some shit in there with it you know and that was always not not the fun some people would be like dude you could just go dump it over here i'm like yeah yeah it gets dumped at the dump that's why it's called that you don't want fucking bad karma with you know putting your grow room trash that's so true else. man and that happens a lot and that gives growers a bad name where you used to have no opinion of a, of a pot grower and now you're like fuck them assholes man they come and they dump all this shit in my you know in my driveway or whatever you know it's all about 
Yeah, you got to take it take it to the yep. dump. Yep, or just tip your garbage, man. I, and anyway, man, so I I changed this out. I went and got that carbon filter, brought it brought it down, and put the can twelve on top of it. Um, it when you have a filter, it creates like some kind of back pressure on there, so it slows or just calms the fan down a little bit, where it quiets it down a little bit. So now I just have one mm-hmm. can twelve went over to Way to Grow. Big ups to Way to Grow, man. I mean, dude, where can you go and get a twelve by eight by eight Y? You know what I mean? Like for like for to to put on the top of the can fan. So I took my one twelve inch and made it into two eight inch. You know, two eight you know eight inch Y with you know, with two ports coming out. I mean, that's kind of the kind of shit a grow store has. That I mean, that's fucking awesome. You used to have to go to, uh, you know, a, an air conditioning store, find somebody that that had an air conditioning license to get you that kind of shit. You know, those sheet metal parts, man. They would never have those in a grow yeah, store, it's- man. Straight HVAC supply. Yeah, that is sweet. fucking amazing. Yeah, they had great ducting there, man. You had your choice of double, you know, double insulated ducting that they went out and sourced the be- the world's best ducting. I mean, I love those guys, man. So, do you remember the brand? They think they carry the color. It's actually made here in Colorado. The ducting, I think it's like JPL or something like that. It's really yeah, good ducting. definitely, man. But just the fact that you can go there and just pick off the shelf and be like, all right, I need a you know a twelve by eight by eight Y. You know, well, yeah, they they figured out that so did a bunch of other people, man, with the same problem as you. Anyway, so I set, went went over there, got everything I needed. I just set up one uh, uh, can fan twelve on a filter that's pumping filtered cool air. That's first off, it goes through my basement, then it gets filtered through this old carbon filter, then it gets pushed through the lights and out the back, and it is clean like my conscience, man. I mean, fucking a, loving it. The floor like is yeah, about time. No about condensation time. whatsoever. Now I'm running fifty percent humidity, and humidity makes a big difference on your air conditioner. When it's really humid, your air conditioner's got to work its ass off, man. Hell yeah! Now that the uh, humidity is lower, I'm actually getting my temps down in like the high seventies, seventy nine, seventy eight, which is uh, I'm loving my AC a lot more too. Now that it gets to work the way it should. Cool, good to hear. I like it. Big ups to Can Fan, man. Definitely. Uh... I like that you're still running the 12 inch from the big 12 inch record from 19. Yeah, and you know what else our listeners so. should like? The DGC should like that. I'm going to give away, I, I have about, I don't know, five minutes, 10 minutes of use time on those two brand brand new Max HO8s. We say we give them away to some, some crew, man. I like it. Hell yeah. We'll have to figure out a uh, figure out a promo. Figure I mean, Alaska Fred hasn't come out of the woodwork. So if we hear from him, we I think we I have heard from him, man. I think get... Facebook is is his communication, man. I think he said to me something like, "I got to get back on there, man. I don't check Facebook too often these days." But he was like, uh, "I think I won something or something." <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely figure it out with the with the donors and the supporters. It's, we'll add it in the stash. It's good to know that we got two. Two fresh Max 8s that will be under warranty to whoever they go to, even though Scotty's used them for just a little bit. Yep. All right. Can I tell you about my girl yet or no? Please do. What you got, brother? I'll first start it off with a watering tip. Uh, Sounds simple enough, but people definitely can mess it up. I like to let every once in a while, of course, my plants get pretty dry. That was the case yesterday. And I just, you know, grab the side of my containers and, oh, shit, these are real light, you know. So when you get to that to that case, you don't ever want to go in with high PPM water. Some people will go into their, their garden and, you know, they're like, oh, it's time to water. Everything's pretty real dry. And when you water in, especially with using synthetic nutrients, water that is hot, as if you will, you can get a good burn there. So 
definitely suggest a couple ways. So if you're if you're used to watering a plant in with a one gallon container, like this plant needs one gallon of water right. when I feed it, give it a, try and give it a half gallon of like just if you want quarter strength nutrient, let it chill out for like an hour, maybe two hours. Come back and then feed that, you know, feed it I full can't on. Resist. Give you that bitch plant... some, some light recharge, man. If you got a plant that's really stressed out that, that you let get too dry, I would give that bitch a, a little bit of uh, uh, molasses and a little bit of kelp, definitely, man. And I'm not saying necessarily too dry. Too dry means it's starting to wilt. Like, I don't want anybody to wilt okay. their shit, but every once in a while, we want to let our plants get pretty dry either because intentionally or, you know, you want it. I do it in flowering, I believe, you know, subconsciously. It helps a little bit with my resin production. Subconsciously. But, uh, <laughs> I also do it every, <laughs> I also do it every once in a while because... I want to see uh, a negative environment for, you know, fungus gnats. Or, and, and it shit just happens in nature, man. I'm growing like Mother Nature. It's not always fucking perfectly raining everywhere. Sure. So regardless, I saw a burn in plants, um, and I think that was part of the reason this, this particular grower might have had a little bit of burn because they let their plants get pretty dry and then water in their chemical-based nutrients, and you get some leaf tip burn on it that's undesirable. I mean, more than just a little bit, not the perfect right. burn. So. Be careful when watering in real dry and no harm in watering in at quarter strength and then following up with a full strength watering. So it's not like some people. Can I at least get you to say quarter strength to half strength maybe? Yeah, that's fine. Half strength's fine. <laughs> quarter strength seems like so No, so no light, worries. Man. What else is going on? I, I got my bloom room kicking. Just started flowering. Literally, it's out of control. The island sweet skunk has turned into oh a monster. God. It's going to be a lot of work to train, but I'm you know it's going to yield fabulous. Uh, I'm just not excited about the almost three foot of stretch. We got to get some out. videos on that. Um, I've been handling stretch like a like a rock star recently, man. And all I've been doing is I've just been going back and forth, man. As they stretch up towards the light, I just keep on bending them at a you know make a U and bend them at a ninety degree angle so they're parallel to the parallel to the, the the ground and just keep on doing that and mm -hmm. just keep on um, using some kind of clips or some zip ties to just tie the head of the you know the bud head down man because yeah i got some shit my my vanilla coast oh, yeah. is stretching like crazy this time man that's i mean that's what i got going on now too in a 10 right. gal so i'm gonna have to do a lot of training and yes there will be a lot of documentation going on of it uh but excited to go into bloom for sure uh i got the humidity under control as i was saying i got all new genetics in, like somewhere in the ISS isn't new. The vanilla Kush from you, um, a Citrix from Reserva Provada, Colorado. I think I have to say that now. Put in the Colorado part. Nice. Uh, as well as uh, White Widow something. It was like a, it wasn't just White Widow. It's crossed with something. I'll have to get that. A Platinum Sour Diesel, and I got a Pineapple Express from this other grower just because uh i wanted to show him how i think i could grow it he was having a little bit of issues calling it finicky and i want to see if it's finicky for me it's always fun for two growers to compare what the hell they got going, just like we're doing with right. vanilla kush yeah so definitely be good to see what the comparisons are so everything is up and active and it makes me realize like just last night you know my wife's like what what the hell have you been doing i'm like man the indoor garden is on it's it's freaking hard to be mother nature it's like another job man growing plants outside isn't nearly as hard as growing oh, plants man, inside. you're so right so you're so right dude i'm down there from like make, you know 12 to 4 in the morning sometimes man and it's like the difference is yeah my wife's like well you used to you'd be able to do it in a half hour i'm like that's the difference between doing a mediocre job and doing a fucking connoisseur job man 
Exactly. And I get tempted all the time to just run and do what I need to do and not make a video and just get shit done. But you know, as I was talking about in the beginning of the show, I want I want to share the knowledge. And, uh, you know, after being a grower, a parent, having another job, being the podcaster with Dude Grow Show uh, is my passion. So and I'll just do the other plug. Support that passion. Become a subscriber. We'll hook you up with the max. <laughs> For real. <laughs> That's right, man. Hey, you know what? You know what, dude? Big up yourself. There you go, man. <laughs> what, is that, what is that big That's up right, yourself? Man. That's my boy Ollie G, man. All you right. know about Ollie G, man? Recognize. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Love that guy. Oh, Love yeah. That guy. Um, so, in a, in summary, what's what's going on in my grow is a lot of shit, and a lot of videos are going to be coming out of there because uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful scene, and the, it's getting hard to move in there already, which makes me nervous because I'm only in day two yeah, of I just moved one of my plants. So. I was like, this is bullshit. This plant needs to be under the light. I don't give a fuck if there's a hallway here. You know what I mean? Like It was like where I walked to access the, the, the reservoir. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll figure it out, man. I'll make myself another walkway or I'll just crawl on my hands and knees. But this is too prime time light situation here to be a fucking walkway. Oh, yeah. It gets like a little bit like, you know, doing yoga like backwards or something. I don't know how to say it. When I get in there in full bloom, there's not much room to move, of course. Oh, hell no, man. There shouldn't be, man. Right. Lights are expensive to run. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, episode 54 there. We're going to put it in the bag. Uh, the sit-in with Jacob, dropping science. Hell yeah, that's always a yeah. good segment. Uh, I think he'll hopefully be back in a couple weeks, and we'll cover some more stuff. If you want to hook up on the Grow More product we talk about, go to realgrowers.com. If you're out in Colorado, support people, support us. Way to grow. Seven stores. Use Dude Grow's account. Good discounts. Yeah. Best deal in town on a bulb. Hell yeah. Actually, which I got to get my hands on, 60 bucks for a 1,000-watt Hortolux HPS. And uh, what's, what else am I missing, man? Um, I don't know, man. I think that's it. I think that's enough to put it in the bag, man. I think we had a good show. Let's have everybody have a happy holiday, man. Have a great Merry Christmas, all yeah, that yeah. stuff, man. We'll see what we can uh, – I know the listeners like our consistency, and we're going to keep up at that. I don't know what we're going to pull off next week. We'll, we'll pull off something for you, though. We'll definitely not leave you hanging hanging all Christmas long without any dude growing. I got show, a couple so. I got a couple uh, hangouts up my sleeve, man, a couple grower hangouts we could probably throw out there. Awesome. Cool, guys. Well, uh, thanks for enjoying the show. Everything's over at DudeGrows.com, and we will catch you sooner yeah, or later. man. Happy holidays, y'all. Thank you.